This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only two-time PWG Battle of Los Angeles champion, King Ricochet, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling, with your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 154. My name is Nick Howell. And joyously awaiting the coronation of our Royal Majesty, King Corbin. Oh, I am Sir Ian Dangerous. No! And no. uh, welcome to <laughs> no. welcome to the show, uh, Nick. Here we are again, sir. And thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. As you as you may have just uh, uh, taken as a hint from what I just said, we got some some new breaking information to talk about. Thanks to WWE this week. Uh, before we do that, Nick, let's get into some housekeeping, and then we can talk about NXT, WWE, New Japan, all the good stuff that went down this week. Yes, absolutely. Guys, if always come and join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. It is the hub of our operation. It's where you get all the newsy news type things first regarding the show. Uh, all kinds of good stuff over in the Facebook discussion group. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Uh, you can f- uh, make sure you're signed up for our Gleam giveaway. You can find it at the top pinned to every single one of our social profiles. But you get free merch. It's a random drawing just for following us uh, across all of our social channels and subscribing right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open. And you want to make sure you're subscribed there because we have a current push going, a campaign. It is a full-on campaign for you listeners. Because if we can get to, you're looking at the bottom of the screen right there on the bottom left, if you're watching us live, you can see that we're currently sitting at 276 subscribers. You guys listened earlier this week when our recap show and came through. We picked up about 30 this week so far. Um, so yeah, we're on a march to 1,000. If we can get to 1,000 YouTube subscribers by the time Fox airs SmackDown Live on October 4th, Sir Ian Dangerous will sing Tai Chi's entrance music, his song, in Japanese at karaoke at a bar where he works, film it, and put it on YouTube. If that's yes. not a drive, you guys thought the Naya Shrine drive was fun. We're we're up in the game a little bit. And speaking of which, if we can somehow magically pull off in the next sixteen days getting to a thousand subscribers, not only will Sir Ian Dangerous get up at that bar and sing Tai Chi's entrance song at karaoke, but myself, Nick Howell, will get up and also 
do it with the Nia Jax entrance song. Oh, yes. You will and not be like most girls. You, oh, no. I will, I will never be like most girls. That's oh, right. it'll be so glorious. So what do you got, listeners? Gauntlet thrown down. Make it happen. There's thousands upon thousands of you listening to this show every single week. We just need about, I don't know, 750 of you to go click a button, and you can make magic happen. So up to you guys. Uh, we'll see what you can do, but Gauntlet Throwdown, it's on you. Also, we hit an interesting milestone of 40 patrons today uh, on our Patreon channel. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. We really appreciate that. We are now 10 patrons away from what we promised earlier this year. Of when we get to 50, Nick will change the ringtone on his phone. He, not only will he change the ringtone, but he will have to mix... <laughs> You'll have to mix the audio of the dubstep version of Naya coughing uh, yes. and use it as his ringtone once we hit 50 patrons. So there you go. Double gauntlet thrown down. Look, guys, we, we're all about fun and interaction here. We have, we're throwing a lot of stuff at you as we go towards the back half of the year here. But, man, we're just amping things up because Ian and I were talking, and we just feel like we're just now really getting started so yeah the ball is the ball to. is definitely rolling and, and that may have sounded a little michael colish we're all about fun here on the busted wide open podcast nick you can say but we it have is a true. lot of momentum yes momentum <laughs> i mean we don't just have the best hairlines in professional wrestling podcasting we are actually all about fun on this show uh, yes. but that and that's not just lip service but the thing is nick we're also about talking about the pro wrestling and we can't do that if we're sitting here promoting ourselves yes. so let's stop all this and let's go and talk about the big news. Well, I got to say, there's really only one, one major piece of big news to talk about this week. And that is King of the Ring is back. King yes, of the Ring is. is back, baby. Woo. Yes. They announced it on Monday Night Raw that the finals will be held at Clash of the Champions, the next major WWE pay-per-view, and that they'll be having the tournament going on over the next couple of weeks on the programming. I'm excited. We've we've actually kind of said we wanted to see this come back for a couple of years now. It's so it's exciting to see it come back. I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've had a king since. Uh, uh, let's see, King Barrett. King Barrett, I believe, was the it last was King Barrett. crown. I was gonna go. I was gonna go Booker T second time, but then no, Wade Barrett. Yep. No, Wade Barrett was the last one. Uh, no matter what you see on Booker T's Twitter, it was Wade Barrett last time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing who they have now. They've already announced who all is in the tournament. Uh, who's going to be a part of this? And they've got some interesting names in there. They've got some people that we can pretty much assume are not going to be King of the Ring. No. But we do have a. We have quite a few. Possible contenders from Raw, not that the brand split even matters anymore, but from Raw, they've got Ricochet, The Miz, Cedric Alexander, Drew McIntyre, Cesaro, Sami Zayn, Baron Corbin, and Samoa Joe. And then from SmackDown Live, they've got Elias, Kevin Owens, Chad Gable, Andrade Cien Almas, Shelton Benjamin, Buddy Murphy, Ali, and Apollo Crews. That's Mustafa Ali to you. So yes. that's a... That's a lot of guys. I know we're probably going to get into this a little bit more during the show as we talk about the things that went down this week and the, the setup for King of the Ring. Of all of those 16 guys there, Nick, who stands out the most to you as being likely uh, to win the King of the Ring, and why is it Baron Corbin? Uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin Owens uh, is, is Kevin kind Owens. of the obvious choice after watching programming this week. 
uh, he stands out. Uh, some outliers, I'll throw Ricochet in there. Uh, I just don't think he's a big enough persona yet in WWE, but uh, they've tried to pitch King of the Ring in the past as sort of a launching pad uh, to be that Absolutely main is. event, right? Uh, I just don't know if Ricochet's quite there yet. A year from now, yeah, he will be. I mean, he already was known as King Ricochet, so it does kind of automatically go hand-in-hand. But uh, yes, King King KO, I guess, could work. Um, Absolutely, it will. I I worry that they would have KO go over just to try and give him a stone-cold moment doing the the promo right after. I worry about that. Um, Other outliers I'm surprised you didn't mention, Drew McIntyre. I think is is a major contender for it. Uh, well, I don't know is, if you remember or not, but on the I, I booked him off for six months. So we we. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got my. I'm in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong. This dimension. is reality. Nick. Yeah. In I, reality. Sorry, coming back. Drew McIntyre. I, I think is, I think Drew McIntyre would be a perfect one. To be c- completely honest, I think he would be. He is the archetype of the perfect king of the ring. Um, yeah. To and he could handle making that speech afterward. That wouldn't be, you know, marked down as a tropey stone cold clone. Uh, as you just put it. So, yeah, I, I think Samoa Joe's another one to throw in there to, to consider. It, it seems to be really Healy, you know, kind of dick heels this year. So, I don't know. I, it's pretty – It's pretty. Fair, I, th- I think it's pretty fairly evenly split from what I'm seeing right down the middle. Yeah. But uh, yeah. definitely definitely some guys I can see going out very quickly like Cesaro and Sami Zayn. Uh, or I make it totally shocked and they make out of nowhere make Cesaro king of the ring. Who knows? But what we do, what we do know about King of the Ring this year is that pretty much that people were speculating, oh, it's because the G one did so well. No, the G one does well every year, and Vince hasn't brought it back yet. Right. They feel like this is a way to promote one person. It was bought, it was brought back with with giving one person this coronation in mind. So I'm curious to see as this unfolds. They haven't released the brackets yet, and the thing with brackets is once you see the brackets, you can kind of handicap who's going to go through a lot better. Yeah, uh, and once we see those brackets, I think we'll get a better idea of where their heads at, who they're trying to push by having them be the king mm. of the ring. So we are. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. That's going to start up next week, but uh, that's definitely big news for us because I've I've been looking forward to having this like just a tournament, a meaningful tournament back in WWE. So that's mm. very exciting, Nick. But uh, there's plenty more WWE to talk about. But in order to do that. We're going to have to head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, this week on Monday Night Raw, Becky called out. or No, she didn't call out the locker room, did she? She, she did. did. She, she put, put them, them on notice. notice. She, she said, said, look, you, you, got, you, better, you better come, come get, get me before I get you because you've all wronged me before. before. I'm going to come, come get, get you. I thought we and had Natalia coming out doing first. her heartfelt thing, right? We, we did. Second, the first, first thing that happened was Becky called, called out everybody, and then, and then we had, had Natalia, Natalia coming out and saying, with her with her busted arm, uh, saying, "Oh yeah, you know, it was a great match. Becky and I had our thing. It's not over yet, though. I would still go back and do everything that I did again." The audience boos, and then, and then she says, "Oh, but you know, my dad passed away this year," and the audience kind of goes, "Boo!" Aww. Yeah, we can't uh, boo that. <laughs> and then she goes, "I had a dream about my dear departed dad," and as she's talking about. Her dear to she just as she's vacillating between being a heel and being a face for some reason, all of a sudden, with no real apparent build or anything, Sasha Banks's music hits. Sasha Banks comes back for the first time since WrestleMania with some what looked like a really awful purple weave, and she came down to the ring 
looked like she was going to embrace Natty and then kicked the crap out of her, ripped off her weave and revealed that she now has Mia Yim blue hair, and which I don't, I don't understand the whole idea of faking like you still have purple hair. I guess the idea was, hey, it's same old Sasha. No, wait, it's not. I, don't, I wasn't sure what they were doing here. But yeah, she has blue hair. And then for some reason, Becky runs out to stop her beating down Natty because that makes sense. And then Sasha Banks ends up beating down Becky. So, Nick, let's pick this apart. Sasha Banks is back, and her reintroduction was, in my opinion, very awkward. Yes. uh, And and just didn't have that punch that you would have thought. How are you feeling, A, about the fact that obviously Sasha not going to AEW and back in a major program with Becky? How do they reintroduce her? Uh, She was very over at the time. People were chanting for her, even while she was beating down Becky. Are, are the fans going to stay on her side? Is there some resentment still uh, from the the impression that she was being bratty by by walking away and taking a break after she lost the titles? Like where where do you think this is all at right now? So to, I want to address your first point first. How did I feel about it? Yeah, obviously, when I heard the music kick, uh, I I did pop a little. I was like, oh, it happened, and I did my I didn't watch until Tuesday evening because Hulu. Um, so I did my best to stay off of social media after SummerSlam because I knew it'd probably be an interesting Raw. Hopefully. It's always the hope after a big four pay-per-view. Um, so when the music kicked, op- to open the show, no less, uh, right to follow on to Natty, giving her heartfelt, my dad, blah, blah, blah. I did pop. I did get excited. I did think it was a good time. Uh, I thought it was interesting that sh- the whole thing of coming out and giving her a hug and then just turning on her. And they let it go on for so long, and then Becky came out. As if Becky was in the back making a sandwich and didn't notice until after about five minutes of this. She's Irish. She was making mashed potatoes, but go ahead. Shepherd's pie. I apologize. Shepherd's pie. There you go. Um, So the the awkward part for me was that, God, it took so long. It was a little bit drawn out. That made it awkward. And then to turn around and just kind of beat down the women. Look, I, I like surprise returns as much as anybody, but I feel like there's... As much build as they've done, if we, we have a great example in The Fiend now of how to do a proper return and spend four to six months uh, hyping it up, building a story behind it, all of that stuff. But for her to just walk out and start beating down some of the other women in the division, that that's doesn't work the, for me so much anymore. But that's not the problem. It wasn't that she it was a surprise return. Surprise returns are fine. It's just the timing of this one. Natty was in the middle of going back and forth with our emotions like all of a sudden wait wait wait. so she's still a bad guy but wait we're supposed to be sympathetic for her and then sasha comes back we're excited but then sasha's beating up natty and we're like wait are we happy she's beating up natty or not and then there's the the illogical nature of of becky i know logic and wwe (laughs) but then there's like why did becky run down to protect natty like there was so there was so many elements of this return and why that were well, I mean, Becky's the number one. She's got the belt. Honestly, like, here's the thing. Out of all of this, I'm happy we're getting a Becky-Sasha feud, um, even if it does look like Sasha starting the Blue World Order here. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with <laughs> them starting up a feud because they're going to have fantastic matches. Yeah. We're going to see some good wrestling, and we've been complaining that no one feels like they're on Becky's level right now. Sasha will elevate Becky, and Becky will elevate Sasha. From that standpoint... This is a good thing. I just I'm saying that the way that they executed this 
was not as I mean, there was a lot of better thing, better 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 ways they could have done this. Absolutely, than how they actually did it. Absolutely, um, and I hundred percent agree with that. I don't like the way they did her return. I'm well, fine with her about, coming in and beating down some of the faces. That's fine, but I needed more. There, you can do a surprise and then maybe a beat down, but maybe not both. Maybe that's what's about, got me so upset. How about this? Either have either have her come out right after the match on SummerSlam, or if you want to pop the Raw ratings and have her have to come back on Raw, have Becky cut that initial promo in the ring, have Natalia come out to challenge her and start saying the stuff she's saying, then have Sasha come out with both of them in the ring. Sasha gets in there like she's on Becky's side, hits Natty, Becky's already out there, and she's like, whoa, that's a little bit too much, and then Sasha turns on her. That right there would have been a way better sequence of events than what we got. It would, yeah. have, it would have been more dramatic. And I, you know, I'm not big into to speculative booking, but that right there, just off the top of my head, would have been a much more exciting comeback, and it would have made more sense in terms of what everyone else was doing. True. Regardless, as we, as we said, Sasha's back, and we're finally getting our wish, heal Sasha. Uh, is it too late for Sasha to be a heel like has has the has the we've missed the train on that one no we haven't missed the train i think it was ill-advised to have her come back um for becky and natty i think if she had come back as this monster heel to uh, tuesday night to greet bailey and then Ah. turn on her that would to me would have been a lot more intriguing i don't know what to make of her coming out and beating down a, a, a solemn and and you know emotional Natalia, but I, it was better than beating down a, a not really uh, fan favorite Bailey right now. Like people don't really care about Bailey. I don't think it would have done much for either one of them to have her beat down Bailey. Bailey doesn't need the beat down, and Sasha needs to get the rub off of someone with a lot more uh, cachet, like sure. Becky. Sure. So again, tough situation for them. But uh, hey, at least we're getting Sasha versus Becky going forward. Can't really complain about that. Okay. The other. The other big news coming out of SummerSlam, Seth Rollins still, excuse me, he's your new Universal Champion. He is again your Universal Champion after beating Brock Lesnar, and he had a little celebration on Raw this week. As, you know, as he should, um, I, I found a statistic that said that Seth is, the, is one of only three people to have ever pinned, pinned clean Brock Lesnar twice. He's done it twice. He's pinned Brock Lesnar clean well, relatively clean. He's pinned him to the mat uh, twice on a a show, on, not on a on a house show or non show on a pay per view or TV. He's done it twice. Okay. Only two, only two other people have ever done that. So that's that's a big deal for him. And that, by the way, the other two people were Goldberg when he did it back uh, at WrestleMania twenty, and then at SummerSlam, uh, whatever it was a year or so ago, two years ago, um, he pinned him yep. twice. And the other, strangely enough, Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn did it uh, on a couple of, on, I think, a couple of their lesser shows two years or, uh, back in 2001. He did it twice in one. And only, only Seth and Billy Gunn have done it twice in one calendar year. I don't so remember that's that a, one at all. <laughs> that's a, well, it was right when Brock first came out. So, uh, so basically, it's a big deal, especially given the modern portrayal of Brock for Seth to have pinned him twice. So as he should he celebrated it he he said oh it's cuz of the fans you helped me build you helped me you know go to get down deep and really find that next level i needed to go out there and beat brock and it was a nice nice speech nice one um i liked this but uh, this ended with seth being challenged by aj styles and the oc and aj saying i'm the better champ than you let's find out who's the better champ let's have a match 
later tonight and kind of threatening Seth with a three-on-one. Uh, and they did have this match later in the night. As to be expected, it was a fun little match. As to be expected, it ended with a little bit of outside interference from the OC, who then got involved and got uh, AJ disqualified and started beating down Seth, who was then... Uh, Ricochet came out to try to save him. It didn't work out. But then, at the right at the end of the show, as it looked like the hero was going to get beaten down, Rawr, out comes Braun Strowman to a huge ovation, and he clears the ring, and he and Ricochet and Seth all stand tall to end the show. Which was interesting. Are we going to get a face faction? Well, maybe, because Braun also was holding on that universal title and looking at it kind of closely before handing it back to Seth. So my question is this. this was a, it was finishing up the, the Brock storyline. We found out during the show that Brock is not getting a rematch, which, which left Paul Heyman speechless, which is... Also kind of a red-letter moment. Yeah. But uh, So at the end of this, we've got AJ and the OC in the mix. We've got Ricochet kind of hanging out there because he still has some beef with, with AJ, I suppose. And then Braun Strowman, who hasn't had anything to do for a while, came back out, saved Seth, but then had that moment with the, with the title there. What are we seeing going forward with Seth? Who's the next challenger for Seth? We have a little bit of time to build somebody. I think you just Who's answered your be? own question. I did? I think then, so. What did I what did I say? Braun. You think Braun? I I don't I don't think Braun's going to be the next universal champion. I think he's going to be in the picture for for between now and Mania, but I've made that speculation before. You know. But here's my question. Here's my question. Okay. Why have Braun go for the title if he's not going to win it? That's You've conquered the beast. Now try it. Now try a monster. Yeah, it writes but itself. If he's you know? not going to win it, and then he he loses, that's just more damage to Braun. Braun is, is at this point starting to look like one of the bigger missed opportunities they've had in the WWE, just because of the the mishandling of him. Given you know what he could be with his stature and his size and his sure. charisma and everything else, so it would I think it would make absolutely no sense at all to have him lose. The Universal Championship again, or or, or miss out on his chance to get it, or, or or you know go for it and then not not actually get it at the end of the day. True. So I was a little bit confused by the segment if this was a placeholder until they figured out who Seth was going for next, or if they are going to pull that trigger on Braun, and if so, what that's going to do for him. I think uh, you've got to have one of your big guys always at the top of the card, and if it's not going to be Brock for a while, which they somewhat made kind of clear over the course of you know stuff on social media uh, externally as well as stuff that you know, they did on the show with Paul, then why not have Braun be that guy? I don't think he immediately challenges Seth for the title. I'm wondering if it's passed off to another heel for Braun to then pursue you know, as we get to Royal Rumble later this year or something like that, down the road a ways. Um, but yeah. I think it's interesting that he aligns with Seth immediately after SummerSlam and beating Brock Lesnar. I didn't see that coming at all. I would have never guessed it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good look in the sense that at least he came back and got a good reaction from the crowd. It means that right. they're still into him. He's still there's still that cachet there. Granted, it was a really hyped Toronto crowd, so who knows? But at the same think time, they'd be burnt out by now <laughs> after Takeover and SummerSlam, and then the next night. Oh, yeah, uh, they were they were holding on to that last little bit for for SmackDown, but. But no, like here, here's Braun, and he could still be the next big thing. Uh, but they just have to do something good with him going forward. I don't think going for the Universal Championship is going to be that good thing. Uh, maybe a feud with AJ Styles and the and the OC, just one against three, 
might be something good for him. But even then, at the end of the day, he's got to win that title if you want to get him back, his, his inertia back, yeah. and really get him propulsive back up to the top of the card. Yeah, they got uh, some work of, to do for him, for sure. Yeah. Speaking of the top of the card, Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? Stone Cold Steve, what? Stone Cold Steve Austin called in via Skype, which is probably the most un-Stone Cold thing ever, <laughs> seeing him sitting in his house with, a, with his echoey room and his, his headphones on. And the uh, delay and all of that stuff, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even we across the country have figured this out. Like, come on, WWE. Have we, though, Nick? Have we? we have. We absolutely have. Okay. And all it took was closing a web browser. <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, well, it's getting better, at least. Uh, they, had to, they only had one shot at it. Anyway, yeah. they, uh, regardless, Stone Cold was there to put over Seth and say, like, he was always wondering who Seth Rollins was what his character was. And it's interesting because one of the criticisms I've always had of Seth is that he doesn't really have a defined character. And one of the people I got that from who really pointed that out and made me go, oh my God, he's totally right, is Stone Cold Steve Austin on his podcast when he would comment about Seth where he just said, okay, who really is he? Well, here he, he said, I last night I figured out who he was. He's the guy who takes that crowd energy and uses it to, to win against impossible odds. He calls his shot and he makes the shot. I don't agree with him that that suddenly makes me understand who Seth Rollins is. That's, he, that's just something he did last night. But that was Stone Cold's take on it. Uh, but really, he was there to promote his new show, which, right. cool. You know what? Honestly, right. more power to him. I haven't seen the new show yet. Did you watch uh, Stone Cold's show yet? I did not. I was too busy reading through controversy over the show that they've been shoving down our throats for a year now, Chris Lee, uh, <laughs> that is apparently enthralled in uh, bankruptcy and fraud charges and all kinds of stuff. So I haven't quite gotten to Stone Cold's new show yet, but Chris oh, okay. Lee, they've been shoving, USA's been shoving down our throats. Uh, uh, if you have not heard about that yet, it's, it's a hell of a read. It's, kind of, it's crazier than Nick's fantasy booking, guys. So That's check, not possible. That. It that's is. That's not possible. It really is. I, it really is. I honestly, I have no idea. I don't know what Chris Lee is. I watch wrestling. I don't really right. know what goes on in the outside world. But exactly. uh, yeah, straight up Steve Austin now airing uh, on, I guess, on Monday nights on USA. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, uh, me too. I'm also, I'm also looking forward to checking out more Andrade Cien Almas and Rey Mysterio, even though we had a two out of three falls match on this show and Rey lost two in a row. The first one through interference and the second one just lost, playing lost. And then was uh, filmed in the back afterwards being really like emotionally traumatized by this loss and mumbling about his family. And what is going on here? All right. So Ray is obviously very focused on getting Andrade over. I think that's accomplished now. Uh, what's next for Ray? Like have they kind of squandered their chances with Ray? Like where they uh, – he's been losing a lot and they still promote him as being this legend and this – all this. But, the, you know, the, his coming back to the WWE is getting less and less – fresh yeah at, at what point is or, or have they spent his equity like what more is there for Rey mysterio at this point because he could be someone who's a a major factor for them he could be um is is there any room for him in the cruiserweight division like they did Kalisto, they shipped Kalisto over there to make him champion could he go be a cruiserweight champion it's gonna no uh, don't turn Drew it Gulak? into the lucha don't turn it into the lucha division i mean it's already so no. many lucha guys down there and sure Lord, i'm not but he's a smaller guy and he's a dynamic personality that that place is starved of frankly so well, I, okay. I i don't i don't know if what? him going over there and challenging drew gulak for the cruiserweight championship could be really good i, I just i'm just throwing it out there 
I, I'm going to swat it down. This is You keep throwing people at the cruiserweight division, whether it's yeah. Finn Balor or Daniel Bryan or Rey Mysterio. Stop it. It's the, right. the cruiserweight division has its people. We don't need another member of Lucha House Party. I don't want to see Ray coming out with a, with a pinata and a noisemaker, which is what they seem to have relegated those poor guys to over on 205 Live. I'm saying how do we elevate Ray? How do we take his existing cachet and use it to get over people at the top of the card? Because that's where Ray should be. He's a legend, and he's a guy who at 44 can still go. He can, he can still go. But if his Use job... It. If his job is to put over Andrade, he did a very good job of it. Andrade he looks did. like a damn monster. Absolutely. They're feud all throughout the summer. He, Absolutely. Andrade now looks like a damn monster. And Andrade so, yeah. is actually one of my dark horse. Actually, I think he is my dark horse for King of the Ring. Could be. Ray Andrade? I want to see Come him on. go up and have an intercontinental feud with Shinsuke or someone along, the, you know, something along those lines. I want to see him have a proper title reign or feud at least. Um I, I don't know. King of the Ring could be very good for Andrade. I, yeah. I'm saying right now, with this with this current thing going on with Ray, what better way for him to stick it to Ray and get that heel heat than to start calling himself Ray Andrade because he's the king, Oof. right? Oof. That'd be that pretty be good. Really good. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we also had a, a women's tag match, I'm, so, I'm sorry to say. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the <sighs> Kabuki and Kyrie Sane. <clears throat> Kabuki Warriors, who still haven't fixed their damn entrance music, it still sounds like someone's in the back just with a crossfader on a on a on a, a DJ station, <laughs> like going right back and forth. It's just terrible. It's terrible. Right. Their entrance music. Um, and Bliss and, and Cross won freaking clean as a whistle. Beat him clean as a whistle. Pin Kyrie in the middle of the ring. The ring clean as a whistle. Even after her hitting her insane elbow, that the, the Hojo elbow that. Frankly, nobody yeah. really kicks out of what? That's what? completely blown now. They've they have they didn't squandered no Kyrie. No one kicked out of it, but there was some shenanigans at the end to to make that so it was still protected. But it's still okay. So the Kabuki Warriors looked like they were the next in line to get these titles. They were just going to run roughshod over the Iconics. At what point did they turn on the Kabuki Warriors? This is, by the way, a rhetorical question. <laughs> but in your opinion. <laughs> what point did they turn on the Kabuki Warriors and were like, okay, they're enhancement? I, I think they turned on Asuka when they took the, I'm going to say stripped her of the title by handing it to Charlotte earlier this year. I, they didn't turn on the, the Kabuki Warriors are a thing that's just thrown together because they're paying them all this money, most likely. Uh, so they got to put them on TV in some capacity. But they also had, they, they were booked and looked really strong when they first came out. And now they're losing clean to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, who are a thrown-together team because they had to do something with, with, with Alexa Bliss, and they, they wanted to keep her in the spotlight and give her a belt again. Yeah. Because you've got to have a belt on, on, on Alexa. It's crazy know, to man. me. It's crazy to me how many you breaks You guys know this, how this, I feel about this. I don't need to regurgitate all this stuff. Yeah, it should have been Nikki Cross with Bailey, you know, after that whole thing with Alexa, turn on Alexa, go after the title herself. They had it it was it had written itself. They were they were really in a good spot. And Do you feel like the general audience thinks more highly of Alexa Bliss than say Asuka or Kyrie? Yes. I think Kyrie is obvious, yes, but but like higher than the Iconics or Bailey like Alexa is that much more uh, elevated in the in the general public sense because if so then this is the right decision that Vince is making here to have them be the champions because of the profile that that it's been that the perception is I'll say that uh, she's but. more polarizing 
She's she's either a really good face or a really good heel. Well, that's um, but it, that's money right there. Is you yeah, get the reaction. and that's exactly what you want, right? She works in either capacity. So, uh, yes, uh, if you if you put that up against a Bailey or a Kyrie Sane or even an Oscar to an extent, yes, absolutely, that's going to be the you know get the most fan reaction. I don't want to say fan favorite, but it's going to get the most uh, fan reaction one way or the other. So who's so, left in the women's tag division? Like what? Who's their next? Who are they going to compete against now? I don't know. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. If it were up to me, obviously. But, yeah, but they've got to make them look competitive again now too. Yeah. Well, they squandered so, that already. Yeah, quite a bit of squandering. But yeah. uh, uh, also squandering this week was uh, Sami Zayn. He was a bit squandered, but uh, honestly, I didn't mind it because he no. was squandered in a, in, a, in a squash match against Samoa Joe. The Street Profits were backstage recapping SummerSlam and being hung over, which was hilarious. Samoa Joe, uh, sorry, Sami Zayn came along to talk smack to them and uh, say that, you know, you're going to end up being a, an idiot like everyone else here. And they said, oh, like Samoa Joe. And Sami Zayn says, oh, yeah, Samoa Joe's the worst of them all. Starts running his mouth. And, and you go, oh, he's right behind me, isn't he? And he was. And Samoa Joe said, let's have a match right now, Sami Zayn. And stalked off looking scary. And sure enough, they had a match. And he choked out Sami Zayn in about four minutes flat. Uh, Samoa Joe getting that, getting that scary, that scary looking Samoa Joe stuff back. Here was the interesting thing about this, Nick, is we were all wondering last week. So here he is, he's facing Sami Zayn, which is I think automatically makes you kind of facey at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, last week he he protected Roman Reigns after he was hit by the car, which is a, a by the way that if I never see that Roman Reigns storyline, eight minute, they play it like five again. six times. Oh this my week. god. That's how they got through the three hours and the two hours, respectively. It was like an hour just of the Roman Reigns video package. Anyway, Samojo at the end of this says, you know, just because I forgave Roman Reigns doesn't mean that I forgive all of you people in the audience for blaming me for this. Screw all of you. And went heel again. What was the idea of having him do this kind of mini vacillation as to whether he was heel? What was up with this? Because he was back to being a heel again on SmackDown. What, where, what was the possible idea behind showing this? Was it something where they thought that he might go face and then they thought better of it and just pulled the rug out from underneath it? And if so, why have him beat down Sami Zayn? It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm over here listening to you do that, and in my head my gears are turning, but I just nothing computes. Does not compute. You know, I, I don't get it. I really don't. The only uh, Samoa I Joe can... should. I, I do like Samoa Joe just murdering dudes, though, especially with the clout of Sami Zayn. I'll, I'll grant just, that. Boom! You took the words out of my mouth. I think the only reason behind this was to show that he could kill somebody. That he's yep. still a big, mean, as scary. As prominent guy. as Sami Zayn. Yeah. Yeah. Show he's a big, mean, scary guy, and do it to somebody who's basically rubber at this point, which is Sami Zayn. You can put him in a main event match, and he looks like he's fine there. Or you can have him get squashed by Samoa Joe, and that works too. So, hey, at least Joe's looking scary, and and getting some TV time. So, Definitely. Happy with that. Uh, someone who may not be getting much TV time going forward, Dolph Ziggler mm. had his promised match with The Miz after The Miz conspired to have him beaten to a pulp by Goldberg on Sunday. Uh, what in the world is going on with Dolph? Uh, and, and, and I know that's a fairly general question, but there's been rumors that... Uh, Vince was going to let him 
sit out the rest of the summer and part of the fall so he could go do his own personal stuff, but then said, no, I need you around to do more stuff for me. I'm going to break my handshake deal. Uh, maybe he's worried about Dolph trying to break out early, go to AEW, who knows. Um, but why are they using him in this way is basically just like the, the, the top enhancement guy at this point. Like just he, All he's doing is looking like a, a fool right and left. He got beaten handily by Miz and then did the same thing he did on Sunday where he screamed at Miz, you can't beat me for real. Miz came back down and put him to sleep with a, with a skull-crushing finale. So, I mean, Dolph is basically just looking like an idiot again. What's the point of this? What's, what's the, what did, is, is this, did Dolph piss somebody off? Is this just their way of kind of burying him on the way out? What's, what's the idea here? No, I, well, he came out in street clothes and, you know, to basically just limp out and say, yeah, you got me, good job, Miz, but then turned on him. Like, huh, fooled you, psych. And yeah, I'm not really part- that injured. I can't injure. The, I can't wrestle the match because I'm injured. Oh, wait, yes, I can. Let me beat you up, but then lose the match anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wouldn't have minded this so much if it had ended in, but it would, you know, if it had ended in, look, dude, I hear you. I do want to fight you, but you set me up for this. You don't get your match. I forfeit or something like that. Like, who cares? Be flippant and just, I don't, I don't care. You know, shitty emo heel kind of thing. Yeah, and just I, I look up. forward. I look forward to some point in the future getting a uh, getting the inside information on what exactly is happening with Dolph here, like whether he's in trouble or whether this is just the idea. Like well, we've this been is speculating just this for now. a couple of years now. It feels like at least since last year when he did that whole the return with Shinsuke and all off of that and stuff. on. Yeah, off and on. This is just then been he had kind Drew, of, and then now it's it, then it was Shane, and now he's doing this stuff with Miz and. But with Drew, he looked good. Like he was, he was winning matches. He was looking strong, and then all of a sudden, we're back to him just getting beaten up by people and, and looking looking a fool. So I, I'm very curious to find out ultimately what exactly the logic or the reasoning behind booking him this yeah. way is. And I'm not talking about uh, storytelling logic. I'm I'm talking about uh, you know the people backstage, what their perception of Dolph is as a commodity in the company, and and, and how they feel this is uh, bettering storylines and bettering his character or not. Or if they're intentionally trying to bury him at this point. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he dated John Cena's girlfriend. Oh, wait, he did. That's right. Mm, that'll do it. Uh, I, I, one last thing on this, then we got to move. But uh, Face Miz, is he starting to become stale to you? Or are, are we still cool on Face Miz? I'm still cool on it, but he needs a replacement for Shane. He needs a foil. He needs a heel to work with, to feud with. The, the, thing, the thing that made heel Miz so good was that there was an endless supply of faces uh, for him to work with. It's true. Right? Because we were in that time last year. But I don't. I think we're kind of flipped upside down right now. All the faces are champs. Um, if, if I'm not... Yeah. All, all, I think all the championships are on... Well, except for AJ. It just took it off Ricochet. But before that, we had all faces as champs. So I think we're in this weird time right now where Face Miz doesn't have a foil. Um, right. I, he needs to find a heel to feud with pretty quickly. Or, yeah, it's going to get stale. Seriously. Like, they've got to do something with him because already people are starting to get like, all right, all right, all right. You're, you're a happy-go-lucky yeah. baby face now. That's great, Miz. You're not as entertaining as you He's were. He's got when a popular TV show on USA now. He, they can't flip him back to heel yet. How popular is that show? I haven't looked at its, at its uh, ratings yet. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard it's, I've heard it's like... I think top five of the network. So it's, it's I think actually it's okay. pretty entertaining. Uh, he, him and Maurice are kind of a, 
it I'll tell you this, it's a lot it's a sight better than Total Bellas. Or well, demons, that, or whatever the hell that <laughs> shit was. Yeah, and I'm also taller than Danny DeVito, so that's not saying much. Well, uh, I mean, they both live in L.A. and we're from L.A., so I mean, it's like you know, it, we if you recognize the area, there's the reality shows like that in areas that you love and recognize are are a lot of fun. You'll never so, get me to watch reality TV like this where it's a Miz is a wacky dad and and Maurice is always like oh Miz. Can't do it. Can't can't do it. But what I can do is ricochet matches. Even though it's a a ricochet match against Elias, which is what we had on Monday, and it was uh, kind of a it was quickly done. But then at the same time, the ref didn't see that Elias had a shoulder up. So there's a little bit of controversy there, and I'm wondering if we're going to see that anything going forward, or there was this was just a holding pattern match for both these guys, which is what I kind of hope it will be, because I really don't want to see a ricochet Elias feud. I don't know about you. Nope, not really. I could have done with a Kevin Owens Elias feud. I think that could have been a good time, and I think we might be building towards that, frankly. But over on the uh, the other brand, Kevin Owens Elias feud, you'd be excited about? Uh, I don't want to say ex- ex- don't don't. I mean, it's not excited like oh my god, Kevin Owens and Elias. No, but it's it'd be somebody like an interim someone for him to have a feud with, and we're kind of seeing that develop, frankly. But we'll talk about that one. Uh, here in a little bit. We're going to get to SmackDown, sure. But before that, we have to talk about the 24-7 championship, which Mm. changed hands a couple of times. We had a match between Revival and Lucha House Party that got interrupted by the uh, the mid-carter train chasing R-Truth, who got rolled up and or got Shatter Machine and pinned by both members of the Revival at once. They become co-champions. But then, I believe it was uh, I think it was Dash Wilder that got got pinned by Elias uh, out of nowhere. And now Elias is your new, speaking of Elias, Elias is your new 24-7 champion. Uh, what do you think about that? I'm fine with it. Yeah, let's do something besides Drake Maverick and R-Truth. Bingo. That's kind of where I was thinking about it with. Or Mike, uh, the Canelli. Can- <laughs> you know, the can- <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know it, I'm, I'm happy with it. The, the idea of the revival becoming 24-7, a tag team becoming code 24-7 ch- is kind of fun. Um, but then having Elias also squirrel away with it is is also kind of fun. So yeah, keep doing this stuff, guys. Uh, you know, and yeah, amp it up. The, the, we got a little bit of crazy with uh, Mike Bene- uh, Canellas taking it off of Maria while she was in the stirrups uh, at the doctor's office. That's the kind, and and our truth dressed up as a woman waiting in the waiting room. That's yes. Fun. Yes. Yeah, I'm actually sad that the that the revival lost it so quickly. I'm sorry, it was Scott Dawson that got pinned. Um, sure. I'm sorry that they they lost it so quickly uh, because co-champions for the 24/7 belt could have been fun. Yeah. Elias as the champion, I don't know. Uh, you know, they had to suspend it to get him on SmackDown at all because he's always vulnerable because he'll be out there strumming his guitar. So I don't see this lasting that long. No. I'm just curious where they go from here. Yeah. A uh, couple more things that happened on uh, Raw, real quick. Drew McIntyre and Cedric finally got their SummerSlam match, and it was a banger. It's too bad it wasn't on SummerSlam because it was actually a really great match. Visas. Um, what's that? Visas. Uh, yes. Whatever. But it's, I'm sad we didn't see it on SummerSlam. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they'll be continuing. I'm assuming we're going to have this continue going forward because they're both in the King of the Ring tournament. Yes. It's only that I can assume. Uh, Robert Rude beat No Way Jose because apparently they didn't have they had too much stuff for main event and not enough stuff for Raw, <laughs> so that happened. Yes. And then speaking of matches, no one cared about the Viking Raiders War Machine Experience came out and beat uh, a couple of guys named Sebastian Suave and Carter Mason, who you may recognize as a couple of the security guards from NXT who were breaking up the Matt Riddle and Killian Dane fight. 
Okay. Uh, they they came along and were crushed by the Raider Viking experience machine war guys. And that was raw. But uh, Nick, I got to say this. It was a very decent show coming off of SmackDown, off of SummerSlam, excuse me. Uh, but you know what I thought was a better show this week and really solid, even though there wasn't a lot of wrestling, there was a lot of good story. Let's go over and talk about it. Let's talk about SmackDown Live. Well, before we get too deep into SmackDown Live, I do want to do a shout-out to Abraham Castillo, who is our newest $10 patron live right here on the show. Thank you very much, Abraham, for joining the BWO Army. I appreciate it. Enjoy the bonus episodes, uh, and I've got a new one coming for you guys this weekend. You are officially now one of the phenomenal ones. Yes. Oh, are we going with that? It hurt me to say it, but it's... Oh, it's kind of sticking. It works, though. What do you guys think? Let us know in the chat it's, or in the Facebook discussion some, group. Something. Oh, SmackDown Live. Um, there, there's a question of who put this show together because it was actually really good. I really yeah. enjoyed SmackDown this week, guys. But re- reports are Bischoff is still just kind of coming in and not really doing anything. I, apparently, the rumors that he's just there to talk to the Fox execs may actually be the case because most of this week apparently was done by Bruce Pritchard and Dave Kapoor. Uh, which would explain why the backstage segments were so solid. Pritchard is known for doing really good backstage segments, and this this one was full of them. The major story being Roman trying to get to the bottom of who's trying to kill him and Daniel Bryan and Rowan trying to clear their names. So this was... By the way, I I, I got to get this off my chest now. I, I, I re-watched some Looney Tunes recently, and I, I got to say, I can never look at Daniel Bryan and, and Rowan again without seeing Rocky and Muggsy the two gangsters that were always messing with, with Bugs Bunny. And they, like, they also made fun of it on South Park recently. Mimsy. Yeah. I, I, I always see Rocky and Muggsy now. Don't you try to think, Muggsy. Like, I, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Uh, that, that wasn't recently. That was like 10 years ago on South Park. It's all recent to me, Nick. I'm old as dirt. Uh, so we had, <laughs> we had uh, Roman Reigns finally gave uh, Buddy Murphy... The, the match that Murphy wanted after Roman beat him up. And, man, we had a banger match from the two of them. Fantastic. They beat the holy hell out of each other. They did, and Buddy Murphy showed again why he is so wildly underutilized. It's, it's actually kind of frustrating to see him here in this position because apparently they didn't originally intend for him to be a part of this program. He just happened to be in that shot as Roman was walking away. People noticed it. And they just started kind of wrote him into it just because he had nothing else to do. And they're like, well, screw it. Let's, let's use Buddy Murphy. Sure. But then for some reason, they gave him new music, which, is, which may be the worst downgrading of music that I can think of. It, it, chat, pipe up. If you can think of a worse downgrade from your original music to, this, to the new music, I'd love to hear it. Uh, but this, it's awful. His new music is awful. His old music, at least, was was unique and powerful, and it made him sound like a feel like a badass coming out. This stuff is like, hi, I'm Buddy Murphy. I'm here to wrestle. Hey, listeners, he, I have a challenge for you. Go out to Twitter right now and tag WWE hashtag Bring Back Techno Viking and tag <laughs> Buddy Murphy. Do it. Let's, let's, yes. let's build a campaign. Let's let's, let's start build- a war. Bring back the techno. Go Viking. get him. Hashtag bring back techno Viking. 
But once again, he showed, like, both of these guys, both Roman and Buddy, showed that they can work a sick match with pretty much anybody. And they had a sick match here with, you know, the only real build was, you know, Roman Reigns bullied me last week. I'm going to get mine back. And Roman Reigns being like, I'm the big dog. I'm going to assert my dominance. I'm still the alpha male around here. And at the end of the match, Roman even looked like he was shocked with what a, what a fight Buddy brought to him. So yep. he put over Buddy even in beating Buddy. You know, we no one expected Buddy to beat Roman freaking Reigns. But it was, yeah, so from that sense, it looked good for Buddy Murphy. So on the one hand, here I was going, oh, God, his new music's terrible, poor guy. And then the, other, and then the next hand, I was sitting there going, but he had a really good match with Roman Reigns. He looks fantastic. And then we cut to a backstage segment. We're trying to clear their name. Uh, Rocky and Muggsy beat him up all over the locker room the same way that Roman Reigns did last year, pin him up against the wall the same way that Roman Reigns did, and instead of saying, give me a name, give me a name, they said, admit it, buddy, you lied. Isn't that right, Muggsy? Yeah, boss, yeah, he lied. Uh. Tell him that you lied, buddy. That's right, <laughs> Muggsy. Some so, good memes came out of that confrontation as well. Thank you guys for posting those in the bu- Busted uh, Wide Open discussion group. Really enjoyed those. They're all over the social medias right now with can we Daniel Bryan right in Buddy's face. Can we take a <laughs> moment to talk about how amazing, psychotic Hannibal Lecter Daniel Bryan is? Yes. Like, what What a change from, like, Connor's cure hugging a cancer kid to this thing that he is now. And it's even Captain Planet, you know, to, to whatever oh this God. is. Oh, my God. He's absolutely psychopathic. It's fantastic. That's, <laughs> that's really when I got the Ruck, Rocky and Muggsy thing because you've, you've got Rowan standing there like this. I cannot believe that you are insulting my boss. And then you've got Daniel Bryan down there in his face going, that's right, buddy. You tell, tell them me. You, you tell lied. Me you lied. Tell them you, you lied. You tell them that you lied. You tell them right now or else you're going to get it. See, you're going to get it right now, Mr. Murphy. <laughs> Uh, you listen to the boss when he's talking to you. Anyway, that was my takeaway from this segment. It was, it was so. Buddy Murphy kind of went back and forth about how they were treating him through the show. Um, but at least he's getting a lot of time, and he did look good against Roman Reigns. That, that, that's kind of where I came to at the end of all this. Is at least Buddy's getting a lot of time on TV. Hopefully, this is the beginning of something for him, and they give him some more to do. Um, Tag but, team with Roman know, Reigns against Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Okay, so at the end of all of this, Roman confronts Daniel, Daniel Bryan and Rowan in their locker room, and they say, you know, you heard the man, we didn't do a thing. And Roman goes, okay, fine, I'm still going to kick your ass. They go, ah, 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 wait for next week, because next week we're going to bring out the guy who really did it. We know. Bosch says you're ruining his childhood right now in the chat. <laughs> I ruin nothing. I'm, I'm making Daniel Bryan and Rowan better. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> Again, next week we're getting who actually did this. What do you think this is all just an elaborate swerve and it's really Daniel Bryan and Rowan? And if so, why are they going to such lengths to try and convince us it's a double swerve? Like are they are they just killing time at this Maybe. point? Maybe. If he comes out and he does the whole thing where he just doesn't talk again, you know, he just starts to and then walks away and we don't get I, I'm gonna be really upset. I'm anxious to see I'm genuinely curious to see who this is gonna end up landing on. Whose yeah. lap it's going to end up landing? It in. feels it feels really uh, week to week, moment to moment for me. The fact that Vince has been writing these shows so late kind of d- doubles down on that for me. It feels to me like they have no idea where they're going. They're flying by the seat of their pants, and it's ultimately just going to freaking be Daniel Bryan and Rowan, and it's going to be a little bit underwhelming for us. We're we'll like, well, why didn't uh, we had to go through all of that, and it's just Daniel Bryan all along? Pfft, fine. 
but hey, Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, cool, awesome. Down with that feud. It's just it does feel a little bit scattershot right now. I hope this isn't like lost when they don't know where they're going and they end up ending the show and they're like, hey, we had no idea where we we're going the entire time. And their fans are like, oh darn it. Or, or if this will actually be something where they have some sort of master plan all along and we actually have a really good uh, outcome to this. So fingers. I have to come clean, Ian. I lied. It was not Bebosh. It was actually Indigal. Two eighteen ah, in the chat. I, so I apologize, Bosh. I misread the chat. There's a lot going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> I have I've been looked over the chat in a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Rocky and Muggs are going to stick around for as long as Daniel Bryan and Rowan do because I, I can't unsee it now. I can't unsee Rocky and Muggsy or or what's his name and Mimsy from South Park either. So yeah. uh, Rowan Shirtwatch. Where we move on, Rowan Shirtwatch. Rowan Shirtwatch. Oh my God, the- it's one of my favorites. I love hate these breed? guys. Oh, you like I hate love breed, hate huh? breed. I okay. love hate breed, and I have some really cool Jamie Jasta stories that maybe one day I will share with you guys. So, <laughs> all right, maybe well, was- one day if I've had a few beers and I have no filter, but they're they're kind that of personal, happened. so I'm not really prone to share them out there. But hi, Jamie, if for some reason you happen to be watching. Yes, one day we'll hear about the intimate moment you shared with Nick in the in a bathroom of a concert hall. No, uh, but moving that's on, that's not it at all. Oh, okay. I was I was totally off base. It was it was wasn't the bathroom. It was backstage. My Speaking bad. of Rowan Shirtwatch, so, though, the Spotify Rowan Shirtwatch playlist has been updated with all of the latest, including some of my favorites from Hatebreed. So uh, be sure to check that out and follow that on Spotify. I'm sure Andy at this point has also updated his Amazon playlist. So yes. be sure you're checking out the Rowan Shirtwatch playlist. It's a lot of really good music out there, guys. Nick, correction. That's current uh, patrons champion Andy to you. I apologize. I apologize. Reigning, defending patrons champ Andy, uh, who he just kind of disputed last though. <laughs> by yourself. <laughs> well, that's a patrons champ. No, uh, not disputed at all. But uh, one thing that was disputed was Kevin Owens' actions on Sunday. Apparently, uh, kicking Shane in the balls and attacking Elias was not a good thing to do to one of the owners of the company because he was fined a hundred thousand dollars by Shane McMahon. At the top of the show, after having a nice little rousing rah rah and Kevin Owens moment, uh, man, Shane took his time with this segment. For a guy who people just want to see go away, he is not helping with the go away heat here. People are chanting "boring" in the middle of his promos. Uh, I, I, Nick, I need to get your reaction to this because I was a little, I felt like Kevin Owens' reaction to the fine and then the way he found Shane after the segment and didn't attack Shane so that he wasn't fine more, but did trash a TV. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't feel stone coldish. It felt kind of petulant. It did. And, you know, he was saying, well, I've, I got to look out for my family. You can't find me this much. That part I understood, but it still, I didn't even like, like that, frankly, but it still seemed like whiny, bitchy Kevin Owens. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Honestly, again, we're not going for exact, you know, letter for letter stone cold here, but the working man trying to fight for his family to, to make the money. He's always been, you know, the, the prize fighter. I'm fighting for money for my fifth feed, my family. That's always been part of his gimmick. So having it be something where he's standing up to authority, but he's got to do right by his family. I don't mind that. What I mind is having him look like he's easily like, like the bad guys get one over on him easily. Sure, and it, and it and it and it messes with him. 
I will you know say I, mean? I loved him opening the show, and the promo that he cut was fantastic. And of I course. especially loved his overly dramatic reaction when Shane's music hit. I, I think that was one of the better parts of the show, and him his reacting face, like, what? What could you possibly was, want? <laughs> his face was all of ours, where he's kind of, oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. God. <laughs> so, oh, man. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of this anymore. Uh, again, we got uh, Samoa Joe coming in to, quote, save the day. Like, I'll fight him. So we yeah, ended up getting, booking a match between uh, Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens for later in the show as well. Which, again, okay. just shows that Joe is back into being a heel again. They need, a, yep. they need another big monster heel, and Joe is that guy. I don't know if they're going to be in a consistent feud, but they're both in the king of the ring. So just saying, if there's anyone that takes out Kevin Owens, it may be Joe looking for uh, some, some a plot line going forward. True. Some sort of angle there. But, um, yeah, I, just, I wonder how long that popularity, that pop that he had at the top of the show, I wonder how long that'll last if they keep you know making him look like this kind of guy like oh the little if, whiny if they, whiny whiny bitch kevin owens versus yeah, the, like the strong guy who, anti-authority whatever i'll do what i want kevin owens exactly overcoming yeah. all odds kicking shane in the nuts and giving everyone a stunner at the end of SummerSlam. that'll get you this kind of pop coming out and being like i can't believe you you find me a hundred thousand dollars wham i'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, flip a table, table throw a stool at a tv <laughs> make it that's, five make it yeah, 105 make it 105 like that's not Mm, that's not going to keep the ball rolling. So a little bit worried there, but not a big deal yet. Uh, Real quick, Gerardo Garcia, Shane Shoe Watch. Shane Shane Shoe Watch, yes. Still still wearing the Jordans, not surprisingly, Air Jordan 1. Retro Mids, the tuxedo variety. (laughs) He was being fancy this week. Fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We mentioned Revival on uh, on Raw. Uh, They were 24-7 champions very quickly. Well, they also had a big presence on SmackDown because they had a six-man tag team match. Uh, they teamed up with, uh, with Randy Orton. Revival and Randy Orton, as I like to call them, Revival KO uh, versus <laughs> Revival KO uh, versus the New Day, Kofi Kingston and the New Day, uh, which makes sense. Looks like Randy and Kofi are continuing, even though we had that horrible match finish on Sunday. And it looks like we may be going into a Revival and New Day feud which is interesting because I thought Revival were on Raw. And yet they're saying that the New Day are everything wrong with tag team wrestling today. How do you feel about a Revival New Day feud? Uh, I wasn't done with Uso's Revival yet. I wasn't over that yet. Uh, I wanted to see more of that. So the fa- I'm not mad at the fact that they're... To be clear, I'm not mad at Revival and New Day. I think it'll be fantastic. But I, wasn't, I wanted more Uso's Revival. Yeah, I wonder what's going on with the Usos if we're giving Jimmy some time off. I know that Naomi's dealing with some stuff right now, too. I believe her childhood friend died, um, so they might be out of the picture for a short term. Hopefully, Jimmy's going to some rehab and and getting some sobriety help because that's... Getting some sort of help. Yeah. I mean, I wish you the best, but if, you know, not... The first step is admitting you have a problem. So, I mean, please go get some help, buddy. But Revival and uh, Revival versus New Day and Randy Orton versus Kofi Kingston again for Clash of Champions. All of that sounds good as a build. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm all in I, on that. And I like how they pivoted here, frankly. I thought that uh, Randy Orton coming along and saying, look, you couldn't beat me at Survivor Series. You still can never beat me. You can't beat me. I like that angle going forward. Again, the match on Sunday was, was terrible when it came to the finish. But they can't. I, believe, I truly do believe they can salvage it. Yeah. I do believe. There's enough history here. There's enough 
chemistry between these guys. I think they could salvage it as long as someone comes along and looks at the shortcomings of that match on Sunday and says, how can we do that better next time? I think they can fix that. Yeah. I, I think, and I think it's an appropriate feud for Kofi. I, I like a three-on-three. I like a, three. like a six-man tag here uh, with, with all six of them. I, I think this is going to be fantastic. Um, I think this is I just like a way to that we're continuing start. the Kofi versus RKO thing. I'd like to get a proper finish. I do think Randy is going to get strapped again. I'll be clear about that. Maybe it wasn't time to pull the trigger, which is why we got that awkward, very quick countout on Sunday. Um, but I, I don't think we're done with that yet. This is just kind of treading the water. We're going to see that build back up. Um, and maybe even at Clash of Champions, see a rematch. We will see. But uh, that's that's what know. I think we're looking at. Yeah. Uh, one one thing I don't know where we're going with is the women's division on SmackDown. We had a match between Ember Moon and Charlotte, where Charlotte pretty handily defeated Ember, even though Ember looked good in the match. But that's just Ember always looks good. Uh, but Charlotte once again clean victory here, and that was about it. That was pretty much the entire storyline here. Are we? Is Ember now done? She's she's been beaten clean by Bailey, beaten clean by Charlotte. Thanks for coming, Ember. Bye. Is that where we're at now? Uh, it, well, it was awkward that she got the opportunity in the first place. I would have, I liked, I, I don't want to say I l- really liked it. I don't want to give that impression. Well, I liked that we had a sort of mid-card feud going on with Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, and Ember Moon, and that that was going to lead to somewhere, maybe some strife between Fire and Desire, but her getting thrown into the mix with Bailey for that championship opportunity, and now she has to fight Charlotte for the number one contender. Now she's kind of irrelevant because Charlotte beat her. Yeah, so are, we going now, are we going to Charlotte, Charlotte Bailey now? Charlotte Pro- Bailey? Yeah, Is that all that's of left? course we are. Instead of having oh. Sasha come out on SmackDown and, and mm. re- renewing that, what we've all wanted ever since the Horsewomen came up to the main roster, it was if there was ever a perfect moment, this is why I was so upset about the Sasha thing, if there was ever a perfect moment to reignite the Bailey versus Sasha Banks feud, it was this week. But they had to bring her out while Natty was given some somber speech and have have her come out to face becky look i i know where you're i know where you're going with that i honestly think that they need to have sasha establish herself as a heel first and then go and deal with bailey after after doing this i think that you know maybe becky beats her and then sasha goes and beats bailey something like that and then bailey has to build back up something along those lines but establish that sasha's a heel first yeah that way because here's the thing at this point very few people really remember that Sasha and Bailey feud and how good it was. Uh, point know, of order. Where's Lacey Evans? Who? She's on her what honeymoon happened? with Baron Corbin. You didn't know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, yeah, so I know we've just now made her, just like Ember Moon, we've now made her completely irrelevant as well. Because now well, you've got she- Sasha coming out to feud with Becky instead of... You know, continuing that, whether it needed to be done or not, is irrelevant or not the point. Was you know, she I, ever really relevant, though? Or was she just a placeholder match after WrestleMania for Becky? Sure. But what now? Sasha? That just doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, Sasha. Yes, Sasha. We're, we're running Sasha through the end of summer. sneak in through the audience at SummerSlam after Bailey beats Ember and beat the absolute holy hell out of her, out of just like she did to Natalia and Becky. And I guarantee you, Toronto loses its mind just like they did when Edge uh, popped and came out. I'm just I, saying, you, you oh, it would have been so good. They had, you had one shot and you blew it. Yeah, don't get too riled up about uh, what could have been, Nick, because it's already <sighs> too late. Uh, also, don't get too wi- 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 
Wow, too wow. riled up. I'm already riled up about this. Speaking and I of Sasha Banks, about wow, wow, talk wow, about. Wow. I'm riled up about what could have been with Alistair Black and what we have now, which is a man sitting in a room talking to himself in uh, flowery epithets about how no one's going to come along or people should come along and knock on his door. Okay, I, I give up. It's so two people did, and in. now he's back in the room. He's back in the room. He's back okay. in the room. We get we get more and more elaborate lighting in this damn room every time they set it up. Um, I at least it's unique. There's nothing else like what they're doing with him. But correct me if I'm wrong. Does is his stuff starting to sound a little bit like? the stuff that was coming out of Dean Ambrose's mouth before he left, before he went back to being a face. Like when Dean was a, when Dean was a heel and he was pontificating, did it not sound a little bit like this? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. It's a good point. I had thought about it like that, but yeah, you're exactly right. This, this was Dean backstage against like a chain link fence. Yeah. With, with one little like uh, key light. <laughs> Just somebody you know. thinks this is cool. Right. And I hate to tell them hmm. this I is who not that cool. would be. It's not cool. It's not getting him over. This is not exciting to anyone. No one is sitting here going like, ooh, I wonder who's going to knock on Alistair's door next. By the way, it should be Shinsuke Nakamura, and they should have an Intercontinental title Mm -hmm. feud. Pure strikers. Uh, Yes, please. Just saying. Just saying. But uh, that being said, yeah, this stuff is still killing me. Uh, Killing me slowly. You know what I was surprised of, though? Um, we got through Raw and SmackDown this week after a monstrous, pun intended, appearance of The Fiend at SummerSlam. Finally, we got to see that entrance. Why no Firefly Funhouse to follow that this week? I, that, I that seems like a given to me. I think quite the opposite. I think best to leave them talking, give it a little time to breathe. What they're doing with Bray right now has been timed out. So per- what a contrast to Alistair. They're, they have timed this out so perfectly, giving us just enough week to week, building it slowly, giving us more information little by little. And then when it finally happened, when we finally had the big reveal, it was absolutely monstrous. And again, pun intended. Right. Taking that from you. Uh, and it was, it was a big deal. It left people buzzing all weekend. There's already tons of fan art coming out about it. Uh, people are losing their minds over it. The, the worst I'll show thing you guys do, my new lock screen, by the way. If you haven't the, seen those, you should see them. They are awesome. The worst thing that they could do is to try to shove this down our throats too much because that's what yep. they do all the time with so many things. And to have the restraint to leave people talking, to not do anything with it for at least one week, hopefully they don't do anything with it next week either. Maybe the third week. Maybe they wait until something else happens at, uh, at Clash of Champions. I don't. They, they should not. Rush the fiend. It should be something that's very special and held off. Even the Firefly Funhouses. Hold off on it. Slow play it. Make it must-watch TV because you never know when that stuff's going to happen. I absolutely think this was the right decision. And people who are out there going, I wanted more right now. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. You may this. think you do, but you know what? Kids have to wait for their dessert until they've had their dinner first. So hold on. This. You get your ice cream eventually. Uh, this week has been chock full of all kinds of news and follow-ups and OMGs at the Fiend entrance from SummerSlam. Uh, apparently, there was an entire line of Firefly Funhouse merch, like a playset box that you could buy yourself, and it sold out in a number of hours. 
Jesus. Completely. Like they had pre-populated and, and pre-made all of this stuff on a hunch that it might do well, and it sold out in four hours. Uh, that, there's people making memes and phone screens and uh, mixing up the theme song, the new uh, entrance song. Uh, there's a just uncountable amount of things happening around Bray Wyatt and The Fiend right now. They have actually caught I'm going to give it credit to Bray. He has actually caught lightning in a bottle here, and it, but it's it's I funny. All it was luck. was, but it was, it was a massive amount of creativity. But look how it inspires other people's creativity when yes. you have something that, that that's that creative and unique come along. We said on the, the recap difference. show a couple of days ago, just watching Johnny Gargano on the watch party, just 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 that was <laughs> just all of us bugging at the watching the entrance. It looked like a six year old kid watching it. It yeah, was amazing. Well, give, if you give me something that makes me feel like a kid again, that's why we continue to watch this stuff. Like we're not watching WWE because it's Lawrence Olivier. We're watching it because every once in a while, something comes along that makes us go, Oh, oh wow. That's super cool. It makes me you wonder I mean? if we're only ever going to see the fiend to actually come to the ring. If we're ever going to get red sweater vest, uh, Mr. Rogers Bray, to come out to the ring and cut promos, or if that's only going to be on the Tron pre-recorded, I, I don't know. That's one of the things that has uh, that I've constantly thought about: is but how the are thing they is, going to handle this dynamic on a week-to-week basis? But he has so many options now. He can do the the red vest in the in the ring. He can do the fiend coming out for a brief appearance and and killing someone and disappearing again. He can just do the Firefly Funhouse. There's so many different options he has now, as opposed to sitting out there in a rocking chair. Yeah. And cutting weird promos backstage in a in yeah. a smoky room. So, fantastic <laughs> stuff with the fiend. And you know what? That wasn't the only fantastic stuff this week. We this week, Nick. Sasha Banks is back, and apparently, so is my stutter. But Nick, we have plenty more to talk about over in the wide world of wrestling. Well, as mostly happens after uh, pay per views or takeovers, I should say. This week, as well, was mostly recaps, interviews, follow-ups. We had a match. We had the final of the breakout tournament that was actually taped, uh, I believe, after takeover uh, that we got to see. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. Uh, We got to open the show with the reunion of Breezango facing the golf off against my boys, the Forgotten Sons. Um, Yeah, I mean, so a lot happened in a... There wasn't a lot that happened this week on NXT. <laughs> no, there wasn't. There was a couple of backstage interviews, which they normally will have on the, on the recap shows or on the, on the shows after takeovers. We didn't learn a lot this week, except that Pete Dunn is still coming for Velveteen Dream. Uh, Roderick Strong may be coming for him as well. So that, that three-way could continue there. Uh, also, Undisputed Era said that the wrong guy was pinned in their tag match. So they will be looking for a rematch against the Street Profits because they felt like they got screwed. Good. They might have a point. Yes. I'm happy with all of that. All of those feuds can, can continue as far as I'm concerned. Happy with that. But then aside from that, as you said, we just had the two matches, Forgotten Sons versus Brizongo, which was pretty much just a welcome home for Brizongo. They beat them pretty handily, and it was just a lot of fun. You got all the regular moves that you would expect from Fandango, including a couple of monster power slams right in a row. Uh, Briz- Fandango coming along with the, what I think now might be my third favorite power slam in wrestling. Okay, I'll stop. Mostly my wrap-up was I want to go talk about the G1, so let's get through NXT as quick as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. 
Uh, well, yes, as you said, we also had the finals of the uh, the breakout tournament, which sounds like something you need acne medication for. But uh, we had Jordan Miles, <laughs> former ACH, versus Cameron Grimes, formerly Trevor Lee. Yes, and uh, it was a, it was a fun match. It was good. I don't think it held up to the standard of like I think mostly the first round was the best round. But uh, it was I, it was certainly a well worked match. The crowd was kind of dead for it. I don't think they knew what they were getting. But by the end, they definitely got into it and were excited by the finish where where Jordan Miles ended up beating Cameron Grimes and getting that contract. He can go after anyone's title whenever he wants. So what do you think about my pick to win the whole thing, Jordan Miles taking the whole thing, and who do you think he challenges? So it really was – Here's these were my honest, genuine thoughts at the end of that match, um, and this was before the finish. Do we want Shelton Benjamin Jr. or do we want Daniel Bryan 2.0? And I don't know if there's room for either one of them. That was kind of my that when I was looking at them, I was I was against all my own wishes. I was putting them in a in a play in a circle, in a spot. And I I don't know if the audience would do the same thing. I'd, I'd be curious to hear if you thought that way, or if the chat thought that way, or any of our listeners, because I that's what I see. They both have very dynamic personalities. Check. They both are excellent in the ring. Check. They've both got their own unique. Style of moves, check, check, check. But I, I yeah. see it so much in common with superstars that are, well, Shelton's already kind of having trouble getting over himself, um, uh, or with at least with the audience, whatever, whatever he's doing, looking at the camera. But then Cameron Grimes feels like another Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan, liked, I, you know. Okay, I got to stop you right there. He doesn't okay. feel anything like Daniel Bryan to me. He doesn't have any of that kind of the the New Japan Strong style feel to them. He feels a lot more like an American. Bat hard ass like a Nick Bockwinkle or even like a Triple H like a like an early sure. Triple H. Um, I, I I'm not seeing the Daniel Bryan as much with the with the kind of the MMA and the the New Japan stuff. Um, except maybe the look with the with the crazy hair and the big beard. That would the literally knee be the strikes only and thing. The stomps and things like that. That's where I was going with that. Yeah, even then, I'm, it's, it's not it's not dynamic in the same way that that Daniel Bryan is. Where Daniel Bryan is almost like the American kenta from 15 years ago so uh, but uh, but that that being said i agree with you cameron grimes does have his own way of doing things and jordan miles has his own way of doing things and it was a nice contrast of styles at the end there yeah uh, good match could have really gone either match. way could have gone either way but uh, i do i would like to see uh miles go up against someone like uh, right now it's looking like dream or adam cole which one do you think it's gonna, or Shayna baszler <laughs> but which one do you think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to... Uh, I'm not convinced. When does he get this title opportunity? At the next TakeOver Survivor Series? I, I think whenever he wants. I think this will be something that happens before to build for the next it's a, TakeOver. It's a, it's a money in the bank light. <laughs> it's a mini... I guess it is a contract, right? So I, Yeah. The beauty of it is that he could cash it in on anything. So I don't know. I would like to see him go up against Dream more so than Adam Cole. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I would way prefer Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole is going to fit. You know, you have this super happy baby face, and to have Adam Cole just crush him is going to give that much more weight to Adam Cole's shithead heel persona. And also, I think the two of them dynamically will work a lot better. And yeah. They have worked a lot better. Uh, so, yeah, again. My I hope is both of them have huge futures in NXT, frankly. I, I think they're both fantastic. Yeah. I have not a negative thing to say about either one of them. The, every match they had in the tournament was fantastic, and we're huge marks for Trevor Lee anyway, hashtag PWG. But, uh, you know, it's I, they're going to be fine either way. Yeah. Well, 
I agree. Let's see what happens going forward. But that is NXT for this week, which means, Nick, oh. it's time for New Japan. And if y'all haven't watched the finish of the G1, uh, 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 spoilers. Stop listening right now. Stop. Go watch it. Stop. Spoiler alert it. AF. It's, here it comes. and go watch it because stuff happened. Big stuff happened, and it was crazy. And your boy's about to lose his mind over here because I've had this bottled up for the last few days. Uh, let's go. Waiting over on me few- to watch it. <laughs> What's that? Waiting on me to watch it. <laughs> oh yes, oh, I, exactly. I was waiting you to watch. It. I couldn't say anything. I was, uh, waiting for it to happen. Uh, but okay, so here's how things went down. As we suspected, a block. You had Ibushi beating Okada, which means he tied him, but won the tiebreaker. So Ibushi went to the A block finals. <sighs> The B block finals was Moxley. He got KO'd by Juice Robinson, so he was out. Then you had uh, Goto, who was still in it. He got taken out by Shingo Takagi, so Goto was out, and it was left with the winner of Jay White or Naito. Whoever won that was going to the finals. The crowd was so behind Naito, it was ridiculous, oh, which yeah. made it that much more brutal. When Everybody Jay is White, Naito, girl. <laughs> it was so brutal when Jay White beat him clean in the middle of the ring. That crowd. Commentary called out that people were getting up and leaving because oh. Naito lost. <laughs> oh, they were so mad. They were so I mad. I was too. But that wasn't as mad as they were for the entire weekend. <laughs> they were more mad later on. Uh, uh, so in the finals, mm, the finals, we had a whole bunch of tag matches and then the actual finals of the G1 itself. For the most part, the tag matches, not really much to talk about. We just build for some some upcoming feuds, including some ones we're going to have at the next pay-per-view and so forth. Uh, the big one, however, was when we had a tag match where it was... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember who else was even in this tag match because it was just the ending was so crazy. Uh, I believe it was... Uh, it wasn't Toriyana. It was, it was a couple of the guys from, from Chaos. Ishii, I know that. Um, but then Kenta. And then facing off against Bullet Club. Facing off against... The Gorillas of Destiny and Bad Luck Fale. And halfway through this match, Kenta ditched him. Walked out, walked away from a tag, stood halfway at the ramp, helped them, uh, watched them get beaten down by Bullet Club before walking back in, putting the exclamation point on it, betraying Ishii. And uh, Kenta turned, and Kenta joined Bullet Club. And not only did he join Bullet Club, Nick, but in probably one of the most emotional angles I've seen in a while, Shibata, the man who trained Kenta, the man who almost died in the ring legit two years ago, over two and a half years ago, came running out furious that his protege, the guy that he personally helped put into the G1 this year and trained to be here, had betrayed him. He comes running out to the ring, beats down everybody, Beats the crap out of Kenta, but the numbers game gets to him. They end up beating down Shapata. Can I just make a, a quick aside here? Yes. That anyone who on Sunday lost their minds at Edge pulling a spear on Elias, this is like that times 100. Shibata yeah. had an aneurysm, and I believe he gave himself an embolism as well. He had bleeding on the brain, and he almost died. He collapsed leaving the ring after his last match. And they said that he might never walk again. He might have brain damage. This guy has come back from that, and nobody knew that he was allowed to do moves until he got to that ring 
and started doing all of his old moves again, including the flying drop kick that he learned from Kenta in the first place. And he did it on Kenta. This was about as emotional a comeback as you can imagine. Imagine if Daniel Bryan had come back but didn't tell anybody. He's got in there and started running and doing psycho knees and yes kicks and all the rest of it. And we were just like, what? That was the level this was at, except that afterwards he would have he got betrayed and it ended with Kenta sitting on Shibata's chest in the in Shibata's own pose while Bullet Club too sweeted him. It's about mm. as massive a heel turn and a massive heel moment as you can possibly get in professional wrestling. I cannot understate that enough. If you don't watch New Japan, it was probably one of the most massive heel turns in recent memory. The crowd was ready to burn down the arena. <laughs> it was unreal. It was unreal. The love they have for Shibata and the fact that the amount of disrespect that Kenta was showing for him, plus betraying him, it was absolutely brutal. Fanta- it's why we watch pro wrestling. <sighs> stuff like that. And I it completely thinking. took the wind out of what should have been the hype tag match of the night with the Dream Team versus Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Oh, like, au contraire, because I think, like, you know, what, what can you follow that up with? Oh, right. I know. Tanahashi and Okada versus Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. It's the only thing you could possibly follow it right. up with. It's the only thing. And even then, it was people were still kind of like... <laughs> yeah, I, I could not catch my breath on that, on that whole night, to be honest. Uh, um, so the other part of Kenta is that when, when Jay White made his entrance to come out for the final later that night, he was in the arms of the entire Bullet Club. The, oh. Every member of the Bullet Club came out with Jay White right behind him to face Ibushi. Uh, and there's Kenta in a Bullet Club t-shirt already. Son of a bitch. Oh. Now you I, son I'm of gonna, a bitch. Ian blew his wad. I'm going to save a little bit of what I have to say about that stuff for our patrons for our August bonus episode that we're going to do recapping, doing a full recap of the G1 tournament. Oh. So Nick, yeah. Nick, how dare you, sir? I have plenty of wad left, uh, <laughs> okay. but I got to say that from now on, Kenta is that bat-winged bastard to me. Yes. And if I ever mention him. But Hashtag yes, we have bat-winged bastard. There you go. Bat-winged bastard. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. But yeah, so we, uh, that was not the finals, though. The finals was Jay White versus Kota Ibushi in one of the best matches of the whole tournament. I mean, that's, that's how you do a final right there. Uh, just emotional, long, brutal match. But at the end, he had to knee him into another dimension. But Ibushi does finally pick up the gutsy victory. Ibushi is your G1 Climax winner, which makes him the first man ever to win all three of their major tournaments, the Best of Super Juniors, the New Japan Cup, and the G1. First guy to ever do that. And at least in the landscape we have right now, he may be the only guy to do it unless Osprey can pull it off. Mm. That's it. Because you know, no one else big who has two of the three is going to go down to being a, a junior again. No. So, way to go, Abushi. That means he has his uh, he has a main event match at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Nick, here comes the moment on the show where I fry your brain and anyone who hasn't been keeping up on what happened with Abushi after this. So I, I did not. I did watch his after his speech after the match, uh, his collection of the trophy and all and the flag and all of that stuff. But I, you were hinting at something about him announcing something for Wrestle Kingdom, and I did not catch any of that. So please fill us in. Wrestle Kingdom is two days this year. And oh. the first day, Ibushi says he wants to have his match with Okada or whoever has the belt at that point sure. on the first day. 
But he said, if I win the belt that first day, I will challenge for the intercontinental title on the second day. And it will be both titles on the line. Meaning, Naito ain't out of the running of having both championships yet. Oh, my God. They're not going to... Okay, I can't say they're not. You're telling me that they could potentially give him all these tournaments and both belts? If if Ibushi is not the next anointed one beyond Tana and uh, Okada and loosely Omega, uh, I don't know. He has committed himself to New Japan for the entirety of his life and his career. Uh, I don't see him going anywhere or doing anything else. He... He stands to be the next, and I have a lot more I want to say about that, but what I feel about it, but I'm going to save it for the other, the recap yes. show. But man, what a showing. So I will say this. Um, maybe I was a year early on Jay White. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, he didn't make it this year either. He made it to the finals. He made it to, but, well, uh, at least he made it to the final this year. Yes. That bastard evil last year. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I am not mad at this result. I liked the reaction, especially with the turn earlier in the show. Um, or after with Jay White beating uh, Naito the night prior and then having Kenta turn. All of it kind of makes sense. It's all, I'm, I'm, I love it. So yeah, it's awesome. What an amazing tournament. Look at what we got out of Lance Archer, Will Ospreay oh. debuting. I mean, I'm giving some small highlights. Just the, These are things that just stuck with me throughout the show. Moxley well, with a 10-point showing. Just all of these little things that made this show this tournament for the last six weeks so impactful and should yeah. not be understated or or taken for granted. The way it played out, swerving people right yeah. and left about who was going where, you know, Ibushi dropping two at the start and then coming back to win the whole thing. Jay White dropping three to start, Great. coming back to be in the finals. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of really good booking here. It's hard to book a tournament and not be predictable. Yeah. Um even though we kind of all called it when we when we were about three shows out. But even then Brilliant the way that it came together, dramatic, um, and just basically a fantastic long-term, like if you talk about long-form booking, uh, right now there's nothing better than New Japan in terms of long-form booking and really looking ahead and thinking how they're going to make this work. The fact that they're really pushing Naito wanting to have both belts makes me think there may be something to Naito getting both belts at Wrestle Kingdom and finally getting that redemption too. There's all kinds of stuff that could happen here, and all of it's very exciting because all this takes place in the gate of... Doom, 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 oh, in the ghetto. Doom, 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 Talking doom. about the ghetto. Talking about the ghetto. Yep. Uh, that's some good booking right there. Uh, coming up next, we've got Abushi will be facing Evil and Kenta on his route to Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. Uh, Okada, on the other hand, as we saw in this tag match, first person on his list, or rather, <laughs> he's the first person on this guy's list, Minoru Suzuki. Oh. Uh, apparently their last match at Suzuki's 50th birthday party in the rain wasn't enough. Now Suzuki is saying, hey, man, I wasn't in the G1, and I just beat you clean in the middle of the ring, which he did in this tag match. Uh, I should get a title shot. So sure enough, their first show, big show, it's going to be take place in England, Minoru Suzuki versus Kazuchika Okada for the heavyweight title. Hold me down. Mm-hmm. Good mm-hmm. Lord. Uh, also on Royal Quest, there'll be some other really good matches, too. They've also got Zack Sabre Jr. defending his British uh, his Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii will be defending his never open weight belt against Kenta, which makes sense given the end of that tag match there. Um, Gorillas of Destiny will be defending against 
the, the winners of the RevPro Road to Royal Quest tournament, which is going on right now. Also, some tag matches like Naito and Sonata versus Jay White and Chase Owens. Osprey and Robbie Eagles versus Ishimori and El Fantasmo. <laughs> That's going to be insane. Mm. Uh, Ibushi and Juice Robinson versus Takahashi and Hikaleo. Eh, that's, 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 that's fine. It'll be fun. Um, and then you've got uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, Shota Umino, and Ren Narita versus uh, Rapongi 3K, Rocky Romero, Show and Yo. Pretty much a uh, uh, looking forward to the, the Japan Super Cup, which also has been announced, the Super J Cup. We've got and our And we have brackets. the brackets. Yes. We've got our brackets. And, time uh, to do and more bracketology. Time <laughs> to do more bracketology. <laughs> At least it's a single elimination tournament, so it's a right. lot easier for me to do. Uh, I will be at the show here in Long Beach uh, on the 25th, so I will get to see the, the semifinals and the finals. At this point, it's hard to pick because you've got so many guys who are in this. I'll run down it real quick. Uh, will Ospreay, Amazing Red, Sho and Yo, Taiji Ishimori, Clark Connors, TJP, Robbie Eagles, El Fantasmo, Ryusuke Taguchi, Jonathan Gresham, Yo, I already said him, Dia, Dragon Lee, Karistico, Bushi, Rocky Romero, and Soberano. Junior, given the way that this bracket is set up right here, we'll post it in the Facebook discussion group. Given the way the bracket's set up, I gotta say, uh, Ishimori's gonna have to beat Osprey to keep him out of the finals. That's 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 it right there. So it's either gonna be uh, yeah, Osprey. I'm going that first quadrant is Osprey Ishimori. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a flyer and go TJP versus El Fantasmo for the bottom quadrant. I think that's uh, absolutely let's see. true. I'll go uh, Dragon Lee. Hmm, let's throw a crazy one. Jonathan Gresham versus Dragon Lee. Uh, and then it's semis over there. Okay. Yeah, the and quarters. then let's go Bushi and uh, Rocky Romero. It's absolutely going to be Bushi and Rocky Romero down yeah. there, I think, just because they have such history and they hate they each other. Yeah. And they've been building that up a lot recently, how much they hate each other. So I think that Bushi Romero would be, absolutely be a quarter down here as well. We'll post um, this in the Facebook discussion group for you guys and uh, let us know what you think. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think this could be a lot of fun. Obviously, the winner gets a shot at Will Ospreay's uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship. Mm. Unless he wins Already it, defending. Case, awesome. In which case, he says, I pick who I'm going to win, who I was going to beat me. I'm just going to throw this out there. Rumors are Hiromu Takahashi has been cleared. And they're just waiting for a good time oh. to bring him back. Oh. If I'm Does at the he finals find in, a wild card Beach, way to get into this tournament? If I'm in the finals in Long Beach and Takahashi comes out, that sound you hear will be my head exploding from miles away. Take your Daryl with you. My Daryl will be with me. Absolutely, 100% Daryl will be with Where is my Daryl? Where is he right now? Yeah, he's he around. He needs to be in he's, your backdrop there. He's off resting somewhere. He'll yeah. be there just in case. Uh, which will, it, uh, that's, it, will, That will be crazy because I will have been at the show where he went out and the show he came back, if he does come back in Long Beach. Oh. So fingers crossed. I, I just can't wait for him to come back, period. So hopefully he comes yeah. back. At some point, Nick, that is our new Japan segment, which means it's time to get to our listener questions. Yes, uh, guys, if you want to get in on the listener questions and boy, we got a lot this week. So forgive us if we're going to go really fast. There's almost 20 of them this week. So bear with us, guys. <laughs> we're going to go pretty fast on these. But if you want to get your patron listener questions in every week, all it takes is that $5 contribution every month over at patreon.com slash BWO. You can certainly sign up for more. At the $10 tier, you get bonus episodes on top of that every single month. So patreon.com slash BWO if you want to get your questions in. We're going to kick things off with Gerardo. Uh, who would you love to see the fiend go after next, Surrey and Dangerous? Uh, Shane McMahon, if only so, Gerardo can do the shoe watch every time the fiend goes after him. No, um, 
realistically, uh, someone. I'll, I'll make this easy. Someone he can dominate. Yes. He needs to some, but someone like mid to high, like an Ali, um, or another similar baby face like that, where he can kill them, and it doesn't make them look any worse because he's so terrifying. Um, I wouldn't have him go against someone big like a Kevin Owens or Roman Reigns at this point. Mm-mm. No. But have him go or, or Seth Rollins. Keep him. Have him do a couple of mini feuds where he just murders people. And yeah. Finn, Finn was about as big as I would go on that on that scale. I wouldn't have him taking out people bigger than Finn at this point. And the only reason I think he was okay to, for him to take out Finn is because Finn wanted a vacation. Um, so yeah, some, someone on that level of like a, an Ali or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw an Elias out there. Yeah, just kind of mid-carters. I'm, I'm I, saying, but have, I agree with I, that. right now it seems like he's going after faces. Um, sure. So maybe, maybe not Elias, but uh, yeah. yeah, like a Miz. Have, maybe Miz is not doing anything. Have him murder Miz. That could be really good, actually, because <laughs> Miz would react in the proper way of just being terrified of it. Sure, you that know. could be a lot of fun. That could be a lot of fun. Thank you very much for the question, Gerardo. Next up, we've got Robert. Who do you think should be in NXT War Games? Uh, we're talking about war games already. I love it. I want to see either Imperium versus Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, and Pete Dunne. Uh, is it possible that we could even have a women's war games this year? Ooh, I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly is possible we could have a women's war games. Uh, I don't know if they would pull the trigger on that just because they seem to usually give it to people with a ton of experience, and there's very few women that they have with enough experience to be able to pull off yep. a whole War Games match. You'd have to Whereas have at least six, right? At, at least, Upwards I would assume. Yeah. yeah, and people who can do the... I mean, I know this, this word gets thrown around a lot these days, but the work rate to really pull off this match, I, I don't know if they have enough women who, who have that, that work rate. Um, so... Yeah, Imperium with Trent Seven uh, would be fun, but I, again, I don't know how much they're going to have NXT UK crossover. I feel like they've got enough guys right now to do a War Games match, whether it's Undisputed Era again with uh, with someone else on their side versus all the good guys, you know, uh, who's who yeah. are still left. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing who kind of who 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 rises up out of the rubble of this last uh, pay per view, but. Um, yeah, I, 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 that would be very. I'm very curious to see what they where they go with this with this year's war games because there's a lot of places they could go. I liked the idea that uh, one of our listeners had, and forgive me for getting it, for forgetting your name, but uh, one of the ideas was that it would be a, a winner takes all, all the titles on the line. We have uh, Velveteen Dream tag team champions, so like Velveteen Dream and Street Profits, and whoever else that you know Gargano's still around or whatever. Sure, uh, Keith Lee, Dijak, whoever's around. Um, versus Undisputed uh, and then, Era and like several other folks. Yeah, yeah, like Dijak or whatever. Forgotten throw, Sons. Throw, throw them, uh, throw them and Riker in there. You know, Damian, Damian Priest, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but then you know the titles are on the line, or have it just be title versus title, tag teams, uh, the NXT Champion and the North American Championship, all on the line against other four other guys. Yeah, that'd like be a that. great like, way be, to end the year. Uh, and have the the prophecy be fulfilled as much drama they're even talking about it now uh we had the undisputed era talking about it on a backstage segment this week 
you know, the, uh, Bobby Fish making a big deal about the prophecy. So I, I guess they're taking that very seriously, and it, it's good. It's fun for especially for us. So I, you know, that could be a great way for to make that prophecy come true is have a winner take all war games. Hell yes, I'm I'm all in on that. Yeah. Uh, for women's war games, yeah, uh, I think it's all about do we have the personnel that can pull that off. So, well, to be determined. Thank you very much, Robert, for the question. Next up, we got Dominic. Uh, what's next for Gargano at this point? 205 Live, I feel his run with NXT is kind of completed, and he would definitely get lost in the main roster landscape uh, currently. I, I mostly agree with that. I'm still a little bit egregious about the fact we didn't get to see the end of Ciampa and Gargano uh, the way it was intended. And, That's and I, the one thing that I'm wondering about is, is there more of Ciampa uh, Gargano left? They did kind of do a farewell to Johnny Gargano bit after TakeOver went off the air. So I am wondering what the plans are for Gargano because I agree he, he will die on the main roster. I don't see a place for him on the main roster. Yeah. He's just not Vince's kind of guy at all, no matter how good of matches he works. Um, 205 Live, yeah, I could see him going there, but that's also kind of a, a barren landscape right now too. 205 Live is a, is a scary, scary place. Uh, yep. If he wants to be on the pre-show of every pay-per-view going forward, then yeah. But well, I, I mean, I, if, now that we know it's officially been announced that NXT is going to be on FS1 and be a two-hour live show, you know, don't there leave you NXT, go. Johnny. Are we are don't. we absorbing are we absorbing 205 Live and the cruiserweight division into NXT? Is that prophecy coming true? That prediction I coming? I think it, it's a that's the most realistic thing I could see happening if because now we know that that format change is going to happen. That's what they need to do with the cruiserweight division: absorb it into NXT. Most of the top guys in NXT right now could frankly be in the cruiserweight division. It just makes the most sense. So yeah, I would I, I agree with that. I agree with that uh, statement. If you if you recombine two five live in NXT, you could have a fantastic two hour show. Well, be with, with that amount of talent, with that amount of talent, oh please, absolutely. Yeah, thank you very much, Dominic. Next up, Kane. Hey guys, is there just too many titles? You have arguably the second biggest pay per view of the year, and we don't even have the Intercontinental or the two tag belts on the card. Is it time to unify the tag belts? Let's go, King McIntyre. Says Kane. <laughs> nice plug. Uh, we uh, kind of agree with you, as you heard. I don't. I think when you have two shows and five hours of TV, having two major titles on each show, plus the tag team belts, plus the women's belt, plus now the women's tag team titles, I don't think that's too many titles. I really don't. NXT is one hour a week, and it has two major titles, a women's title and a tag team title. It's not too many titles. They're just not booking it well for the titles that they have. Um, there's no reason that Shinsuke should be the Intercontinental title and not have a storyline. Right. There's just no, there's no reason for that. They're doing enough other things where the Intercontinental belt could be involved somehow. Or you could still give Shinsuke something to do. If they, they, right now, I think they have... They wouldn't want to have any more titles. In the, oh, the 24-7 championship as well. But that's right. basically its own whole thing. Um, I sh they shouldn't have any more than this. I don't think they need like a European championship or a light heavyweight championship. Um, you know, the Cruiserweight championship is its own whole separate brand. I think that they have the, the, the perfect amount right now. They shouldn't have more. Could they drop one or two? Yeah, but I don't think they need to. What they need to do is book for the titles that they have, and that's not what they're doing. So, yeah, uh, 
I, I think it's fine. I, it just becomes the what the question you're really asking is why are they choosing to have non-title matches over title matches on the major pay-per-views? It's not exactly. that there's too many titles. It's a different question uh, yeah. in my mind, at least. Um, so, I how do you weight? What's more important? Was it more important that we had Buddy Murphy fight Apollo Crews than it would be to have an intercontinental title match with no build and no story? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not Vince. I, I, I do we? He's been, obviously been trying <laughs> to get Apollo Crews some exposure. Um, maybe this was a way to try and amp that up a little bit on the, even if it's on the kickout. Look, I don't even count them as kickoff shows anymore. Frankly, it's an extra two hours on the front of a five-hour pay-per-view. <laughs> so all the pay-per-views are seven hours now. If we did less talking on the kickoff show and less recapping and the video playing of what we've been watching all week already anyway, uh, you know, we could have some more matches on there. But To their credit, to their credit, they did actually make this one. It was basically an hour of wrestling and then a three-and-a-half-hour show. So I thought this sure. was about as big as you want their pay-per-views to be. This was, I thought, I thought well-timed. I didn't feel the time going for this one, at least. Sure. But titles, when it comes to titles, they feel like they're exclamation points on feuds. You don't need them for feuds, but they do tend to make things feel a little bit bigger and more important. That being said, if you have a feud that feels big and important on its own, you don't need a title in it. But if you're going to have this many titles, if you have this many exclamation points to play with, why not make sentences that end in exclamation points? It doesn't make any sense to leave them on the table. Essentially, so True. I don't I don't feel like this has to do with the number of titles so much as them just getting creative with the titles that they have. As far True. as unifying the tag belts, that's one thing I could see. But the problem is because they're going to two different networks. I don't think they're going to do it. No, no. so not going to happen, unfortunately. But thank you very much for the uh, question, Kane. That was a very good one. Next up, we had Austin, uh, Ian with the OC talking to Finn. <laughs> God, you're gonna hate this one. And this one's so from here on out, these are not in the notes for the record. Ian has not seen these yet. I know nothing. I didn't look at the uh, other ones either. Ian, uh, with the OC talking to Finn at Summer SummerSlam, can't you agree and finally admit that Nick's genius fantasy booking is actually possible? I mean, we are gifted the glory of being part of the only podcast that predicts the future. I think maybe Nick's fantasy might just become reality. Hashtag let Nick in. Ian, what say you, sir? I say I'm about to make a lantern out of your severed head. No, I, this, this, uh, I, I, I'm not letting any of this in. This, look, just because if Finn joins up with the OC, it doesn't mean he's all of a sudden, as Nick says, Prince Devitt, which is never coming back, by the way. Fine. Prince Devitt's not happening. He's not going to come out as, by the way, the other thing Nick said was Joker Finn. He's not going to come out in Joker makeup and, and, and uh, try to get himself sued for copyright infringement right and left like he wasn't like you know he, was, he could do it in new japan and be venom and be the joker he can't do that in the united states and that's what nick's trying to to give all you guys and that's not what's going to happen finn being with the oc or you know the the, the club or whatever they want to call themselves i'm down with that yeah give give me a reunion reunion of bullet club in the wwe and i'm happy with that but you're all not getting day you're not getting joker finn prince devitt you're not getting that. It's not going to happen. I don't care how much Nick has y'all hornswoggled, but it's not going to happen. Oh, come on now. Come on. You know you kind of want to see it. No, I. there's no part of me that wants to see that. 
I'm completely Fair happy enough. With- Thank you very much, Austin. I appreciate the props. <sighs> much love, my brother. Uh, next up, Brian Average. Uh, now that Shayna Baszler has beaten pretty much everyone, who do you think will be the one to finally beat her for the title? With Dakota Kai close to returning, how do you think she'll be the one based on their history? Uh, depending do you on think how she'll they, be the one? I think that storyline-wise, it would make a lot of sense. Um, I think that that would be a lot of fun. But depending on how they built Dakota up, you've really got to build her up to be something special. But it really, I think, has more to do with when they'll have something for Shayna to do on the main roster because what does Shayna do if she loses that title? What the heck is there for her to do? Because she's been so dominant. You've got to have her lose that title to one person, lose it definitively, and then have her walk off into the sunset. Whether that's Dakota Kai, whether Bianca... That's all, folks. Whether Bianca Belair gets another shot at it, or whether someone like Io Shirai comes along. And remember, Io has history with with Shayna. She couldn't beat her as a face. Maybe she comes along and beats her as the heel. Yeah. And that's Io's story, is I can't be a winner when I'm good, but when I'm evil, then... Evil I, can get some, I can get some shit done. Yeah. And that might be a cool story as well. And then she could beat Shayna. And whether or not Shayna gets called up, Shayna just could never come back and beat someone that strong. True. Uh, it all made sense to me with Ronda Rousey on the main roster. Like that, that kind of, I could book that. I could see that, as you guys heard. You know, it didn't even involve Ronda at the time. But, you know, it, there are ways to get her in. I almost see her as having a Kevin Owens esque. Uh, debut on the main roster. Come to, uh, come up to the main roster with the NXT Women's Championship and challenge a Charlotte Flair, a Becky Lynch, something along those lines for a non-title match, of course. But, I mean, just come out. Just I'm going to go right after the biggest, baddest one ever and actually let her win because Charlotte would be okay. So I it, it, maybe that's the way to do it. I, that's the only thing I can think of at this point, short of getting into some kind of horsewomen versus horsewomen spat that we've we've talked about endlessly on this show. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see Evil Shirai is about the only thing right now. I don't even see Dakota Kai beating her since it was asked. Frankly. Horse horse horsewomen versus horsewomen isn't going to happen for at least a few years because Ron yeah. has to go have a baby and then come back maybe. Uh, Shane needs to be built and you've got and, and both Marina and Jessamine need a lot more training so agreed agreed thank you very much for the question Brian next up Jacob last week you guys talked about how the Survivor Series match is muddied due to the wild card rule what about a match between NXT and the main roster or a war games match between Raw and NXT the night before who would be on each team hmm 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 I'm it depends on a war games if we match have a, between Raw and SmackDown and NXT the night before. Hmm. That would be interesting. I, I, it would also depend on if they do another shakeup when they go to Fox or not. Um, I have a feeling they're going to create a hard. You know, the, the idea is that they might they're going to get a hard brand split again before they go to Fox. There may be a shakeup involved. Um, so we'll see how that ends up. NXT versus Raw or SmackDown or NXT versus main roster. In Survivor Series, I would not want to see because it would be a burial of NXT. And anyone yep. listening to the show who watches WWE knows that. Yep. Uh, and I don't want to see NXT get buried. Um, but as far as mudding the waters, again, I think there's going to be a hard brand split come the, uh, the, the debut on Fox. And if that's the case, it will be unmuddied just in time for Survivor Series. 
So with about a month and a half to clear things up on each of the rosters. Yeah. So I, I mean, think, Survivors, I, think, I, I think, mean, um, what are we talking about? Clash of Champions is in September, and then we've got, yeah. what, two months after that to build? Uh, and it's undiv- October, don't forget, and we're, then, I hate to say this, we're going to have another Saudi show at the beginning of October, and it's undetermined if we're going to have Hell in a Cell in October as well. So there's things that could happen in there. Those, if you look on the page, still say TBD. Like they don't, those aren't even defined. We're two months away. Those aren't even defined for the beginning of October yet. I have insider information that it will be Hell in a Cell. Oh, good, 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 good. Hopefully, with some actual Hell in a Cell matches this time. Yes, they have. They have already begun uh, promoting Hell in a Cell or creating promotions for it. Gotcha. So. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jacob, for the question there. Next up, Josh. What do you guys think are the best and the worst things going on in wrestling right now? Well, Josh, it's good that you're a patron because have I got a bonus episode for you? <laughs> uh, for the record, uh, the episode you will guys will be getting this weekend for the month of July, uh, as for us playing a little bit of catch up, is five things that we think WWE are getting right and five things that we think they could be doing better. So stay tuned for that. Um, Josh, I'm going to hold your question and say come back next week if we don't answer those uh, with that bonus episode. But there's a lot that they're doing good and a lot that they could be doing better right there, and that's an entire episode that we made just for you guys. We, we got, a, what, an hour 20 out of that, didn't we? Yeah, about we're 90 minutes about that. for that one. So, yeah, yeah it's, we, we, we went deep. We went real deep on that one. Thank you for the question, though. Uh, next up, Andy. So after a, such a definitive loss, what is next for Brock Lesnar? For both personally himself personally and the character, do we see him doing more MMA UFC stuff, or is he ride or die with WWE at this point? Supposedly, uh, he's done with UFC, although you know uh, uh, plans change. It just depends on the money. He, he goes where the money is, and if they're willing to offer him his price, then... He'll go do that. But right now, they have no interest in him. At least that's what Dana White has said. As far as Brock is concerned, this is usually the time of year that he takes off anyway. At least historically, he'll be gone until about Survivor Series. So they might bring him back, shuffle him out for Survivor Series, or he might be out until next year and come back for the Rumble. We don't know. Um, but if, if Brock's history is any, is any indication, he'll probably be gone for at least two months, perhaps even three. I could see him showing, be, being gone till the Rumble at this point. Yeah. Uh, had a, he's had a good year so far. He had WrestleMania main event. He won Money in the Bank. He had a SummerSlam main event. There's not much for him to do for the rest of the year, frankly, until being a surprise entrant in the Rumble of some sort. Except to come and boost their ratings on Fox if they need that. Uh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that so, one, but yes, absolutely. They, if they go to Fox and they're, they're not getting what they want within the first couple of weeks, look for Brock mid-October. Big time, big time. Thank you, Andy. Good question. Uh, next up, Chris. Uh, so two months ago, they announced that Heyman and Bischoff were coming to run the shows under Vince. Has it been two months already? Yeah, Since they be. announced that, yeah. Since they announced it, yeah. Uh, if Vince is still coming in and scrubbing everything and rewriting last minute, what is the point? I think you answered your own question there, Chris. Uh, looking at the <laughs> Becky chair hit in the head Monday that looked to me all Becky's fault. Sasha was behind her. She rotated towards her and lifted her head. I hope it wasn't intentional to make Becky a real victim and put uh, botch heat, go-away heat on Sasha. There's a difference between heel heat from chair shots against Becky and botch heat from really hurting Becky like Nia had after the punch. So the question here is, if Vince is still coming in and scrubbing everything and rewriting last right. minute, what is the point? I got it. Yeah. So then there's, there's, we, got, we got two questions here. As far as uh, Vince coming and scrubbing everything, it's still his show. And we said this yeah. about Paul and Bischoff when they first came in, is they're basically here to 
uh, you know, be be a bit more of a uh, an influence on him, the, the the angels on his shoulder, if you will. Like he's still going to do what he wants to do. We just hope that they can give us the little details that will make things a little bit more palatable. And so far, we've definitely seen things moving in the right direction. Sure. Um, mostly, you know, mostly kind of what we see to be Paul Heyman-y kind of things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, we said it's still going to be Vince's show. Now, whether that continues to be the case when he gets distracted with XFL, we don't know. We do know that the, the idea was to take some of the pressure off of him so he doesn't have to do a lot of the secondary bits. And he's mostly going to be concentrating on the major angles and feuds, which has always been his thing anyway. Um, so if you're looking at as, as far as like what the upside could be, it's going to be that potentially the lower parts of the roster might get a little bit more love from this Heyman era. Right now we're hearing that Bischoff isn't really doing a lot of stuff, but here's the thing. There's a lot of people who work for WWE that you never even hear about. Exactly. You don't know who they are. And some of these people are people that do good work, and some of these people are people that do mediocre work, and some people vacillate between the two. Sometimes different people get different amounts of work to do from week to week. And that's why the whole product vacillates wildly between being watchable and being god-awful from time to time. Um, yeah. Because there, there are just so many cooks in the kitchen. And yes, Vince has final say over everything, but mostly he's pretty much the guy who says, at the end of the day, I don't like this scrap, but we're going to do it this way on the show. Um, but I'm going to go right the main angles right now. Yeah. So as far as like, what, what the point of having Heyman there is, is to be one of those cooks in the kitchen that might come along and have a better idea of the kind of seasoning you need on these different dishes, even if the head chef's still running around and screaming at everybody, you can have someone in the kitchen who's kind of knows what they're doing, helping make things just that little bit better. At least that's what we hope is going to be the case. Yeah. Oh, good question there, uh, um, Chris. Absolutely. And as far as, as Becky Lynch, Lynch, yeah, as far as Becky Lynch um, as getting hit with the chair, we didn't really mention that in our raw section. And the reason that we didn't, because I feel like it's a non-story. Like yeah. there's a lot, like there's a lot, that one just happened to be one that people picked up on was Becky was getting beat down by Sasha Banks. And at one point she raised up and Sasha ended up clipping her in the back of the head when she was hitting her with the chair. I don't rate this at all because there's a lot of times people take a punch in the face in the middle of a match. They get, as Steve Austin would call it, a potato. And no one knows. You never know that they're taking a real hit. The this, chair this shot kinda, Sean Spears gave Cody. Uh, was not supposed to bust him open like that. To bust the chair, him open like the that. chair was gimmicked and everything, but it wrapped around him and it had a cut and it cut his head open. You know, yeah. shit happens sometimes. That's, shit that's happens what I sometimes, to. especially when you're doing stuff. There's a difference between Brie Bella not being able to pull off a tope suicida and this. There's a there's a huge and and continuing to to kick a knocked out Liv Morgan in the face. There's a big difference between that and Sasha clipping Becky in the back of the head. And I think this is a whole bunch of. A whole bunch of, of, of nonsense about nothing, essentially, uh, where Becky wasn't really injured. We just saw, like, on one day, we had the perfect angle to see her get clipped. It's not a big deal. And yeah, I don't think I'm, that it's... I'm not I don't sure think whether, to, whether to laugh or cry at the Brie Bella comments, but it's so spot on. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Chris, for good questions there. Next up, Patrick. How would you feel about Braun and Ricochet teaming up to be a sort of modern-day Jarrett Show-type team? I just feel like they could come up with some really innovative tag team offense. I like we almost, this. We almost saw it with Finn and, and, and Braun at one point, mm-hmm. where it was, you know, Braun's calling him little buddy and stuff like that. Um, I would love it. Yeah, absolutely. Have Ricochet like do, you know, do jumping moves off of Braun's shoulders, things like that. Bring it on. Six, I think 630 it, splash off of Braun Strowman's shoulders. Sure, it worked even with the dynamic with Braun and Alexa Bliss. 
Yeah. I, I would love to see that. I think that would Me be too. great for both guys. Me too. Good Pat good good question, Patrick. That's, that's just, really just good whatever one. you do, don't make them a tag team because Nick will hate no. it. No. Uh, and you'll have to rename him Nicholas. Oh, <sighs> Thank you, Patrick. Next up, Esme Stand in Bear. What's the educated response when someone says wrestling is fake? I'll go first on this one if you don't mind. Ric Flair has the best line ever. It's not fake, it's choreographed. That's all you need to know. Or predetermined. Sure. You can yep. even make the argument that some boxing matches or UFC matches are predetermined sometimes. Depending on for, how much money for shady mob esque reasons, uh, but <laughs> if you're into this conspiracy stuff, uh, but no, it, it's it's choreographed, it's bullet pointed. They know what they're going to do. There's a certain individual that's calling the moves in the match that orchestrate an outcome at the end. Uh, one thing that I've I've used, I haven't actually ever really had someone come up when I say I watch wrestling and go, you know, it's fake. No, no one has ever really used that verbiage with me. Um, thankfully, but I, I know I've, I've heard that it, of it being used, um, you know, usually it's people just being like, oh, it's just not my thing or, or, you know, I don't, I don't quite get it, which is fine, which is fair. You know, I, there's a lot of stuff I don't get like people who wear expensive watches, but, uh, at the same time, like I get why some people that's just their first reaction because, because they've been conditioned to do it. One thing that I've, I, I've asked people when they say something to the effect of, you know, it's it's not even a real sport, I, you know, or it's fake. Or if someone says to you, hey, it's fake, one thing you can say is, did you enjoy the Avengers? Did you enjoy Star Wars? You know they're fake, right? Yes, it's fake. Yes, because it's entertainment. It's scripted entertainment. That's it, period. And I think it's something that was a lot harder to argue 20 years ago, 40 years ago, than now. Now, Everybody knows, like it's out there. It's it's plain to see. You can see it on the social media feeds. You can see, like even in the promos, even on the WWE Network where they have specials about the people behind the scenes before they go out and play their character. Yeah, it's out in the open now. And the fact that they're positioning themselves at that, it's one thing where Vince didn't say that it was sports entertainment out of some sort of creative genius moment. He did no, it because it was, to, it was to dodge struck. taxes for in New Jersey, dodge, right? When, so when Vince was first forming the WWF, one of their first shows was going to be in New Jersey. He had to file a petition for a license because it was a sports exhibition. So the way that he got around that was by saying, no, it's scripted, it's sports, it's entertainment, just right. like the circus. Right. So, you know, that's where a lot of that stuff... And that was, the I think, right around 1990, late 80s, early 90. So I... But yeah. here's the thing is that it, it like many things where Vince just kind of backs into something genius that was that ultimately ended up being a genius move because Absolutely. one of the reasons why it, it has becomes in some ways so accepted and people I, I haven't heard as much stigma around it in the last 20, 30 years. One, because of its huge popularity in the 90s and it kind of breaking through and people knowing more what it was. And two, because it's more out there that it is sports entertainment and everyone knows that it is quote unquote fake or predetermined or scripted sure. or whatever. That's another form of entertain entertainment, like movies, like the circus, it's like TV. It's uh, it's general hospital, you know, at the, with, with, with with people flying clips. around everywhere. Uh, yeah, somebody so, said in the chat. Uh, I want I want to pull this up. Andy Jessup actually said this. DDT says yes, it's predetermined, but you can't fake gravity. Yeah, that line is also fantastic. Look, the shit still hurts. They still get cut up and beat up and welts, and they're really getting hit with chairs and tape put through tables. Sure, that's not fake. 
Have you ever watched ECW? The next time somebody comes up to you and says something's fake, go back and show them some old CZW matches or some ECW uh, matches. Yeah, tell them that's fake. Or, yeah. you know, Sandman ble- blading and just bleeding all over the place. You know, that's not fake. Yeah, well, it's basically it's Cirque du Soleil meets boxing. It's, one th- it's another way you can describe it where, you know, yes, it's choreographed, but these people are doing things that are very, very dangerous. And, you know, to, to tell them that that's fake is like telling someone who's doing a triple backflip off of the trapeze in the circus that what they're doing is fake. It's like, yeah. dude, I'm 50 feet in the air doing a triple backflip. Don't tell me what I'm doing is fake. So I understand why that particular word really drives people nuts. Um, so there's a lot of ways to, to address it these days, and I think it's actually easier to address it these days than ever before because yeah. it has been universally acknowledged that it is predetermined. Yes. Uh, thank you very much, Esmeralda, for the question there. Next up, our newest patron as of this show live, Abraham Castillo, yes. snuck his question in. Yo, just became a patron. Thank you very much, Abraham, and welcome aboard. Can I get a question in? Absolutely. Was SmackDown a Paul Heyman production? It sure felt that way. Uh, Also, he's on the East Coast and wants to know our favorite IPAs. (laughs) Actually, it's funny. Right now, I'm currently drinking a uh, Chirping Bird IPA by El Segundo, the guys who make Stone Cold's Broken Skull IPA. Nice. Um, trying to tell me to, to narrow down my favorite IPA is like asking me the favorite Skittle I've ever had. Yeah. Like that's, that's really hard. Um, okay. Marshawn. I, Hey, <laughs> I'm a Raider fan. What do you want? Right. Um, yeah. Favorite IPA. Give, give me a second to think about that. As far as, um, uh, his other question which was well, SmackDown I don't have a Paul me. Heyman production. It should sure no, yes, that way. We did, we did touch on it, uh, this week. Apparently, it was Bruce Pritchard and Dave Kapoor who were mostly in charge of it this week. Yeah. Um, damn, favorite IP. I'm already back to that again. I, we uh, talked about this recently here on the show, and I feel yeah, like um, there's one based in Asheville, North Carolina, that has, that's somehow named after weed. And I, it's Skunk Works <laughs> or something like that. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but oh, Asheville Lord. and weed is very you know, common here in North Carolina. But anyway, uh, it's very popular here on the East Coast. Uh, I'll I'll dig up that name and post it in the uh, in the Facebook discussion group for you guys. But uh, yeah, thank you very much, Abraham, for the question, Ian. If you think of that IPA, let us know. Oh, I I can list off a whole bunch that I'm loving, but yes, I'll, we'll we'll do a whole separate thing on that. We got to get going here. <laughs> the man's a professional bartender. He's had just about all of them at this point. Next up, Patrick Kennedy. Uh, what do you guys think about the story going around about Vince breaking a handshake deal with Ziggler? Did we touch? We did touch on that, didn't we? We touched on it briefly. It's it's a it's a it's a rumory rumor. I think it's already even been discredited by a few people. Um, It was a we brought it up as it being a rumor that that's what was happening, just because we could not understand what was going on with Dolph Ziggler right now. And and it's one of those things where it becomes a rumor because no one can understand what the hell is going on. And so things like this start, and people go, "Well, maybe that is the case." And like most rumors, one wonders if there's a grain of truth to it, even though it's been blown out of proportion. So that's the deal with it right now as we understand it. It has not been verified by any kind of real source. Yeah. It's just one of those things where people are trying to understand what the idea is behind Dolph Ziggler's booking. And uh, as a result, these kind of stories come out where people go, maybe it's this. And yeah. it could be it could it's even some be some ringside news kind of shit. <laughs> 
Sure. Well, it, can, it could be something that's coming out of you know a source that knows a source that knows a source inside of WWE. So basically, that particular rumor, take with a huge grain of salt, even though we did talk about it on this show, take it with a huge grain of salt. The whole point of our Dolph Ziggler segment on the show today was to say we have no idea what is going on with Dolph Ziggler or why it's going on with Dolph Ziggler or what the thought is behind it. And damn it, we wish we knew because it's freaking bizarre. It would, it would help make sense of what's going on for sure. Yep. Uh, Patrick, thank you very much. And you're a fairly new patron yourself, so welcome aboard. The last but certainly not least, Robert Johnson. Hi, guys. Just asking your views on TakeOver Cardiff uh, for NXT UK. I think it's a terrible move holding it in Wales during the Autumn Internationals because the Welsh absolutely love rugby, so there's the attendance is going to be poor. Or is it just a venue they could find at a time to rival AEW's All Out? Hmm. I figure they would probably have TakeOver Cardiff planned much further in advance than All Out was planned. That would yes, be my guess. They did have it planned a long time. I, and here's the problem. I don't have my, I, this is a, a jump question on me. I don't have my notes in front of me, so I, I can't tell you which one was actually uh, planned first. I know that at least with uh, Evolve 10th Anniversary, that was an accidental cross-booking where, they got, where the AEW guys got mad about that. Here's the thing, though. At this point, AEW wants to fire shots across WWE's bow, and they want to make it look like WWE is firing shots across their bow. So it is in the interest of AEW to make it look like WWE is um, counter-programming against them. Yeah. To make them, and frankly, some, in some of the ways, WWE is actually playing into their hands because they are counter-programming them. NXT going live on FS1 on Wednesday is absolutely a counter-programming move. Yep. Um, because of what NXT is, they're literally trying to put their most AEW-style show against AEW. Um, the one that's going to potentially draw the most people away from AEW. As far as NXT UK versus All Out, I, yes, it may be them just trying to find something to throw up against them, but much like Evolve 10th Anniversary versus... Uh, fight for the fallen. You know, it's if that's their big comeback, that's not a strong comeback. It's going to be a good show, I have no doubt. But I, I don't think anyone's going to not watch AEW just so they can watch NXT UK. Yeah, no, and, and I think once mm. um, once NXT makes that jump to FS1 and it is unleashed onto the world, the greater cable universe and not just cordoned off in uh, in the WWE network, that thing is going to explode. I think it's going to absolutely see a whole new light of day, especially as a two-hour show with all of the superstars, and if they pull in the div- cruiserweight division and absorb it into NXT, yeah. it's going to be a mind-blowing show every single Wednesday. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'm more excited about the potential of NXT and it coming out from behind the doors of, of the WWE network and getting some mainstream attention. Uh, I think it could do better numbers than Raw and SmackDown, frankly. Theoretically, not on FS1, yeah. though. Not on FS1, but I mean, if it does that well, what's to say they don't move that up to the main network on Wednesday night as well? It depends so. on what kind of numbers they, they pull on FS1, for sure. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for all of your questions. Uh, man, that was a lot of them. And uh, frankly, awesome. it's one of the reasons we want to spend more time doing it. So uh, if you haven't heard yet, later this year, we're going to be transitioning uh, some things around. We want to be able to spend more time on those kinds of questions 
after the show. Uh, we're t- debating whether to do that in Facebook Live. Still up for debate, so let us know what you guys think about that. But if you want to get your patron questions in, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash BWO. All you need is that $5 tier. Remember, we're just 10 more patrons away from Nick having to have a Nia Jax ringtone. I want it. Dubstep yes. remix, remix of her coughing in addition yes. to the Naya Shrine behind us. So the sooner we get to 50, the better. Abraham makes uh-huh. 41, so we're actually nine, Can't wait. nine Can't wait. patrons away uh-huh. from actually uh-huh. doing it. But guys, we're not done yet. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. That's right. Uh, starting off the other news lightning round with Roman Reigns. He signed a new deal. He is now the highest paid full-time wrestler in the WWE. Woo. If you're surprised by this in any way, you haven't been paying attention. Uh, also, uh, breaking news, Orange Cassidy to AEW. Orange oh Cassidy. Oh, my God. You heard it. You heard it here. Uh, well, no, you didn't hear, hear it here first because this no, is like it was all over social media all week. He was he was in the battle royale. Their very first show is not really that surprising at all. But right. yes, he has gone to AEW and people are already super pissed because they can't believe that a comedy wrestler like that is going to be on a show that ostensibly is supposed to be very uh, sports based. And all I have to say is uh, tough shit. <laughs> it's going to be a good looking, time. Yeah, apparently Cody he said Cody says that AEW has only revealed forty percent. Of its roster. Good God. How many people must they have on this thing? Wow. Uh, also, they announced for AEW that the first title defense, whoever wins either Jericho or Hangman Page, will defend that title on their third TV episode. So they're going to come out swinging with their TV. Uh, over in WWE, the new Performance Center class has been uh, released. Austin Theory, who you may have seen in the audience uh, at the NXT TakeOver show. He is the current Evolve and WWN champ. We talked about that at Evolve uh, 10th anniversary. He unified those belts. He's faced a lot of NXT stars before, Roderick Strong, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream. So he already has a ton of experience. I don't think he's going to be uh, in the PC that long before we see him show up on NXT. Dude is, it. Dude is set for the stars. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Dude is yep. good. Um, also announced was Santana Garrett. Long overdue. Long, long overdue. She has been around for a long time, gone through TNA, has gone through Impact a couple times, even was, went, went through the WWE system a few times. Um, she and, was in the uh, first Mae Young Classic, wasn't she? Uh, she was, yeah. She was beaten by Piper Niven right. in the first right. round. Uh, so, yeah, Santana, Santana Garrett definitely has been out there doing a lot of stuff. Recently, she was with, uh, with WoW. And, um, yeah, so... Glad to see her in there. I think that's a, that's a worthwhile person to put in. Uh, also going in, Tahuti Miles. I'm going to try and run down as quickly as I can here. But Tahuti Miles, is, uh, he's a formal football player. Uh, he also served in the military. You've got uh, EJ Nduka, who's in there. He also former football player and uh, bodybuilder, mixed martial artist, boxing. He's a big dude, too, six foot six, 265. You've got Alexander Jasic. 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 I'm screwing up that name horribly. Somebody, somebody who's uh, who's German, correct me because that was that was miserable. But he's also huge, six foot five, two thirty. Uh, he's trained under Santino Morella, uh, so I'm and he's been wrestling for a while in Germany. So I'm curious to see what we get out of that guy. Uh, we also have Brianna Brady, who might be the next. I don't know if you're going to be the next uh, uh, Bianca Belair, but she's certainly very similar. Five foot nine, trained in, in ninjutsu and is a massive CrossFit freak. So. She's very, very athletic. You've also got Rita Rice, 
who is from Brazil, and Marcos Gomez, also of Brazil, both jiu-jitsu specialists. And finally, Catalina Garcia. She's Chilean and has been wrestling for a while. She's been uh, Max Lucha Libre, excuse me, um, Revolution Lucha Libre's two-time woman champ. So she's also got some serious experience. So big people come into the PC class, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these cats with a lot of talent this time around. Um, in other news, WWE co-president Michelle Wilson has sold 158,134 shares of her WWE stock, which is 79% of her total stake in the company. And they were sold at $39.30 worth. $69.30. $69.30, thank you. Worth uh, $10.9 10, 10. give or take. Yeah. So that's... Uh, but here's, here's the thing. Keep in mind, this is the sort of thing that execs do all the time. She still has enough uh, stake in the company to be considered an executive even with all the stuff that she sold. Yeah. Um, and her total stake in the company was 0.4%. So not really a hit to WWE at all. No. Um, not something to take any alarm at if you have heard about this story. It's just something that executives do. As you she said, bought Nick, a new house or maybe a yacht or something. whoop de doo Bingo. Bingo. It's what executives do a lot of times to give themselves yep. a payout for some kind of purchase. She said it was for personal reasons. Like you said, Nick, she bought herself a house. Yeah. So if you, that, if you heard that story elsewhere, we're just letting you know. It's not a big deal. Yep. Um, also, in an interview this week, Jim Ross, I just thought this was a fun story. He tried to convince uh, Vince back in the day to hire Randy Orton. Because Randy Orton had been a dishonorable discharge from the military, Vince did not want to hire him because he's that patriotic. He didn't want to hire a guy who was dishonorably discharged. But Jim Ross talked him into it, even though you know, he said, look, Vince, we're only going to give this guy one shot. If he screws up, he's out. As anybody who knows Randy Orton knows, he had quite a few, uh, how should we put it, personal issues in his time in WWE, including one we'd never heard of, uh, which was one where, he, where Jim Ross had to personally fine him $5,000 because he didn't like a haircut that the WWE barber gave him and he cursed her out. So, Randy Orton doing Randy Orton things. I wonder why uh, he was dishonorably discharged and if it had anything to do with uh, hashtag dick fingers. I'm going to let that one sit out there. Okay. Uh, finally, <laughs> we talked about NXT Cardiff a little bit ago. The headliner there is, is Walter versus Tyler Bate. The same Ooh. night, we talked about this being counter-programming. As we mentioned, all out the same night with Jericho versus Hangman and Moxie versus Omega. Did you know that that's also the night? Are they counter-programming? Are they trying to take a shot at WWE and AEW? New Japan's Royal Quest is also on the 31st when we get Okada versus Suzuki. So if oh. you're... Uh, if you're sitting around on the 31st wondering what to do, we have some suggestions for some shows for you to watch. And There's going to be a little bit week. of wrestling to watch that weekend. A little bit of wrestling. Yeah, that's going to be a real fun weekend for you and me, Nick. <laughs> right, exactly. Jesus Christ. Especially the following week trying to recap everything oh, that Lord. happened in one weekend. The Thank you very much, sir. I'm going to so have to be doing it from a remote location. Actually, oh. I'll be staying with one of the uh, the uh, Going and Raw boys that week. So I'll be actually, nice. I'll be, I will be, I'll be phoning in the show from the Growing and Raw area. Nice. So good nice, times. Nice, nice. Thank you very much for that lightning round news, Sir Ian Dangerous. Guys, that is it for our show. But before you go, make sure you are subscribed two of the busted wide open podcast right here on youtube because we have the push going to get surrey and dangerous to sing tai chi's entrance song in karaoke and record it for all of you to be posted on youtube this is not just patrons this is everybody anybody and everybody as many youtube accounts as you have use it make it make a point 
Uh, do whatever we got to do to get to 1,000 subscribers by October 4th, the time that Fox airs SmackDown. Oh, man. We have, we're we're going to push it. But if we can somehow pull off a miracle and get it done in the next two weeks, not only will he sing, I'll sing Nia Jax's entrance You'll song as too, well. Man. Make it happen. We both want to do this, but we're leaving it up to you guys. Make it happen. Come through for us. Also, be sure you're signed up for our Gleam giveaway. That will help you get us to that 1,000 subscriber mark because all you have to do is follow us across all of our social media channels and subscribe here on YouTube in order to get a random drawing for free merch. Who doesn't love free swag? Absolutely. We're doing that every single month to help get that push out there. And, of course, if you love this show and want to support us, sign up for Patreon over at patreon.com slash BWO. Thank you again to Abraham Castillo uh, for signing up right here live on the show. We love having that interaction. Welcome aboard and enjoy those bonus episodes, sir, as well as the full G1 recap. We are going to be doing uh, this, hopefully this weekend, to have out for your August bonus episode. So at the t- if you're a patron at the $10 tier, you've got a full, big breakdown recap of the entire G1 tournament coming your way, just like we did Woo. the preview show a couple of months ago. Oh, it's going to be spicy. Follow us over on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. And guys... That is our show today. Thank you very much for joining us. Shout out to everybody in the chat for hanging out with us here on YouTube. Make sure you pound that like button and the notification bell on this video before you head out. My name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn man? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.